Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through.
hold things down with our economy for the next 18 months. Uh, and so, or are there other reasons? I mean, are there, are there even political reasons for that? And we're going to discuss that tonight too. And of course, you probably already heard the news that Sanders has quit uh, his 2020 presidential bid, which I'm sure that doesn't really uh, surprise anyone. So it'll be interesting now that it's pretty much over, at least the nomination part. Um, two things are going to be interesting to see, and we're going to talk about this as well tonight is that, one, of course, there's going to be the hoopla, who's going to pick for VP, who's going to pick for VP, a big hoopla. But even I think maybe even more interesting that you've heard whispers back in the past, the more we see Biden, uh, the more that, and maybe that they still may have a broker convention, you know, or contesting, but, but the people are like, well, how can that be? I mean, he is the nominee. It would not surprise me, we could talk about this more at length, is it wouldn't surprise me if, yes, he indeed gets the nomination, but it wouldn't surprise me if he actually concedes and admits uh, the health issues that he's been dealing with that is becoming plainly obvious to a lot of people. Uh, many people, maybe even most people, we'll see. Um, and then he may just step down and appoint someone else to take his place or, or have the Democrats uh, vote for it. Of course, uh, I think if that does happen, they may try to throw Cuomo in there, uh, and we'll talk about that. And then, of course, lastly, you know, with it being the the biggest thing in the news, we'll have, you know, Corona's news. news we'll have some articles uh, that have got uh, some audio about how the Democrats, uh, beyond the bills of trying to pay for their pet projects uh, with the stimulus bills, what else they have in mind and how else they're planning on using coronavirus for the 2020 uh, presidential election. So we're going to talk about that as well. But we have plenty of time to get everyone in and to have those discussions. So let's go ahead and first uh, we'll bring in our good friend from Hawaii, called in first, and Dr. Tolbert. And we do have other callers on the line. If you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial, and of course we'll get you into the show. Uh, but thank you very much for coming to the, the show, Joseph. How are you tonight? Uh, I'm very good. Um, thank you for asking. Uh, it is actually, I think, day 23 of the shutdown. Yeah, it's actually day 23 of the national shutdown. And um, I have to say that I'm deeply saddened that uh, Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race because, uh, you know, if president, we all were going to get so many things, free rent, free college, free health care, free ice cream bars everything uh, I'm just just deeply saddened you know um, because you know we're not going to have a revolution and uh, Sleepy Joe's not going to offer that but uh, I guess I'm trying to use a little bit of sarcasm uh, it's an old saying it's better to laugh than to cry but uh, one interesting thing about the Bernie Sanders is he's refusing to not let go of his delegates hint hint so although he has dropped out of the race, he's still holding on to his delegates. So I don't know if he's going to try to uh, do a, uh, a coup d'etat when he gets to the convention. I'm really not sure. Um, also, where's Obama in all this? You know, why is he hiding? Um, such a prominent figure like him, unfortunately, in the Democratic Party. Why hasn't he endorsed Biden yet? his former VP. So, you know, 
I don't know, um, something doesn't smell right, you know, there's a lot of fishy things going on. Um, but regardless, I do believe that most American people are going to hold the Democrats at fault for all of this when everything is said and done. And even prior, prior to the pandemic, uh, I was saying that, you know, hell could freeze over before any Democratic uh, candidate on the ticket would uh, be able to win. It doesn't matter who they pick for VP, just like the scenario in 2008. It, it wouldn't have mattered who McCain would have picked for vice president. There was no way. Um, after eight years of George W. Bush, that the American people were going to vote Republican again. So, um, you know, um, hopefully we'll get to discuss that a little bit more into the show. Um, one thing pertaining to the uh, COVID-19 situation is uh, Dana Perino, um, co-host of The Five, um, former, uh, I believe, uh, wasn't she the former, yeah, former press secretary for George W. Bush, she had that idea to create uh, a separate task force, uh, which would involve prominent uh, business leaders uh, to also strategize how they would go about uh, reopening the economy while not compromising the safety. So I thought that was interesting to throw that out there. And that, that actually would make a lot of sense to, to have a, a, a separate task force that is just dedicated to making sure they reopen the economy with uh, minimal uh, damage or uh, any more, uh, you know, hurt hurt to the American people. And I'll defer back to you, Robert. It's it's great to be back on your show. Uh, thank you very much. And yeah, I mean, as to uh, the ice creams, you know, I, I know I've got a correspondent in, you know, kind of re- re- reports to me about what's going on. Uh, in the Philippines, uh, population of 110 million people, and how the coronavirus is going there, and I'm kind of comparing how they're doing it uh, with what's going on here. Um, and you know, it's it's really and one thing I'm I'm wondering about uh, is I mean, it's there's still got you know the coronavirus there, uh, and it's real hot. It's like already in the 90s degrees, 90 degrees in the Philippines. And uh, uh, welcome, uh, well, Purple Pill left the conversation. Uh, in the chat, and but uh, welcome, uh, bringing on boy in the chat. I was gonna say welcome to Purple Pill, but they already uh, left. But anyway, is you know they're dying for ice cream there. But you know actually, it's different in the United States. I mean, I today I picked up a grill. Um, I was able to go out and buy uh, buy a new grill today. Uh, it's a beautiful day here, so I'm like, yeah, it's time to go get a grill. I was able to buy a grill now. In the Philippines, you can't do that. I mean, their stores are closed. I mean, you couldn't get a refrigerator. You couldn't get an air conditioner. Uh, you just you can't. I mean, you you know you can't get those things. Uh, you know, if you need one, they're just they're not you know, they're not open. <laughs> so or, or they're not even or they're not delivering or something. But they're not you know. So you you can't even get anything there. Um, but as to uh, that is interesting about I mean, and I didn't hear about that, but I've been watching that aspect uh, of the news today. Is about uh, Biden. I've been on the Biden. Uh, Sanders holding on to his his delegates. I, I do find that interesting. I wonder if he's going to try to be a, a king or queen maker when it comes to who he'd say, look, if you want my delegates, which he don't really need them, then maybe uh, the, to, to try to pick up the VP, I don't think he'd be okay with it. But some people were counting Tulsi Gabbard <laughs> as a possibility as well. But I, I don't think the Clintons would. I don't think Hillary Clinton would allow Tulsi Gabbard to be his 
uh, his pick. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring in Dr. Tolbert. I appreciate him uh, being on hold. Uh, but thank you very much, Dr. Tolbert, uh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. I think there's a couple comments that need to be brought up, and the Philippines is one of the countries I work with. But let's take on Venezuela. They closed down from 8 o'clock in the morning. They're open till 12 o'clock in the afternoon. At that point, no one is allowed to travel. Uh, the stores are all closed, and everything is of uh, importance. There is no medical anyway, so that takes you there. And here in Florida, they've actually done the same kind of curfews where they're putting restrictions, but they're allowed to do certain things, like you can still go to the store, the bank. Uh, you could go to uh, uh, Home Depot. Home Depot is actually... Uh, only allowing 100 people inside the store. Uh, I'm going now. Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah, I, I can hear you. That's what I was saying. Okay. Oh, yeah, I was at actually at Home Depot today where I had to wait in a little bit of a line just to get inside. Go ahead. And, and that's what they're doing. Um, there was a couple other things that we talked about, and one is that Bill Gates, along with this other gentleman, are trying to formulate a factory, and the five factories uh, for the drugs is actually a violation of the Trade Commission. Uh, of course, we know the Trade Commission hasn't been doing their job, but everybody's trying to make this a, a money machine. Uh, all of our drugs in the past had came, I call them drugs, not medication, uh, has came from China, so now they're trying to formulate five factories paid for by Bill Gates, who is a socialist. Uh, also, who, which was the World uh, Commission for Drugs, uh, has actually been taken out of the system by the president. And we had written and advised in the past that the WHO organization is being supported by China in addition to the fact that we should be removing ourselves from the UN. So this is just another one of factors that are going over. We need to also mention today is the day of Passover. And Passover in the Old Testament had several meanings, uh, the first of which it was the day that the Christians were told to stay home if they wanted to be protected and that the king's people, uh, the children, would all be taken away. Uh, this is the day of Passover, uh, also was the day when Jesus was put on the cross. Uh, by coincidence, if you want to say that, uh, this is the day that we need to look at the transformation of the spirit, that starting tomorrow, the virus will decrease and will go away. Now, people have a choice. You believe it and act accordingly, and it happens. Because there's a lot of psychological issues with this particular virus. Uh, one, you have to understand that the influenza and that the flu uh, in January was at the highest that it has ever been. It was a tremendous higher percentage of any year. Uh, and the 7 8% of the population in this month was decreased to 2%. Uh, the virus itself now that they're focusing on is starting to level out, and they're now saying this may be the same reoccurring 
of the year as was or as is the flu and influenza. And you got to go back to 2008 where millions of people died and no one took any action. Uh, no one bothered to do what they're doing with this virus, which is in some ways no different. Uh, it is a respiratory issue. Uh, there's a pneumonia problems. Uh, there is mainly uh, a group of individuals that are more uh, susceptible. And I think we put this out on the radio two weeks ago, uh, and we're going to put it out again today, that in a population of 33% being African-American, over 47% have actually caught the flu. And the reason for this is not because of the race, creed, or color, but because of the location of the population and how they tend to live in a small, tight community, which means that it's passed quicker. And in addition, the lack of medical care for a lot of the African-Americans are not being given. And it's been a transition of the past is no different of the present. So need, we need to look at the fact that we need to be more helpful to people around us. I also want to get into we've got several of the ministries that we work in are now doing their ministries online. And they went from 40 to 100 people that came to their church, and now there are 400 to 1,000 plus that are watching them on Facebook. We've also got the people in Cambodia and Thailand and Philippines and Africa that are doing translations. So they've went to the online churches and they've then do in their language of Cambodia or Kramer, and they then translate it with a translator into English. And we're getting the churches in Trinidad, which are speaking English, adding uh, to the Spanish. And so there's going to be a greater exposure worldwide of the ministries and the translations. So when we wrote the article of Common Core and the hybrid school system and virtual reality, when I got my doctorate degree in 2010, we're actually seeing this taking place. So from what everybody finds negative, they have to look at the long-term positives. And they also need to look at what has taken place in the last 20, 30 years with things that we haven't taken care of, with Obama, the Bushes, the Clintons, that the flu and the viruses, this particular virus actually goes back and has been proven to be part of in Vietnam in uh, 1966-67 when I was stationed there. So this is not a new virus. It has just changed its its position. It's changed and modified its body. And this is the same thing that happened with flu and influenza every several years. They change your shot. But this is going to be the same thing with the virus. Uh, within the next year, you will go down and get a shot. Uh, you will then find in two or three years there's been a mod- modification. So there's a lot of things that people need to follow so just in closing what I have to say, 
I'm really asking the people of the United States to take 15 minutes of your day every day for the next several weeks in a quiet place and just pray to God. Just just stick with God through this. We're going to go into Easter. We're going to go into the Passover, which we did today. There's many things that are the transitions taking place. And just know that America is bringing jobs back home, that we are going to become a manufacturing company, not a service or a social environment. So there's a lot of positive things. Think of the positive things and just remove all the negative things in your mind, and we will change our position. And I thank you very much for letting me speak, Robert. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, anytime. And, and two things, the two reports I got here. One is uh, now this is a report from uh, California. Is they're on the road, and they, and if maybe we can get uh, some confirmation later. To, again, this is just a report to me, but they're on the road, but they're actually either giving out tickets or arresting people who are not who are caught being out not wearing masks. Now that I'm here, that's in California. Uh, so I'll, I'll have to maybe do some research on that. So maybe if uh, we hear from Kelly tonight, we, I can ask him about that as well. I have a right thing, but I'm in Ohio, and I was up today, and I've seen they've talked about people saying they should wear masks, but then they're, they're not like, hey, we're going to give you a ticket or arresting people, which I, I find is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, this is America, and I've said this before, that this coronavirus thing, is turning the USA into the USSR, you know, if not, uh, if not, uh, a, you know, Nazi Germany. Cause, I mean, I heard a, I think a governor, I can't remember what state the other day saying, you know, it's good to snitch on people who are, who are doing social distancing. Like, oh yeah, report people, you know, report people yeah. not doing social. Like, so, so if you're not doing, going by these government dictates, then, you know, go, go call us. Call us and It's like, they're not committing a crime. You guys are treating these people like they're criminals. And, and I just don't think it's, just, you know, I mean, maybe I'm underplaying it. I, but the numbers keep decreasing, so I don't, I'm, start, I'm starting not to think so. Um, yeah. So, just I mean, but those type of things. Yeah, real quick comment there. When Hitler took over, he actually paid families and gave them rewards when they turned in people for violating uh, the rules of communism. Uh, there are several states now that have done the same things. They're actually paying the children and the parents and neighbors for turning people in, and they're getting a reward uh, for violating uh, the state reasoning. It's also been proven it's the mask does not prevent you from getting uh, the virus. It prevents you from giving the virus. So the virus is being, uh, you're coughing and, and you have the virus, it should be required to protect your mouth and your nose. Uh, the virus, when the person sneezes, gets on your hands and then it transfers to your nose, your mouth, and your eyes. Uh, that, that is one of the things people aren't understanding. Uh, you're not going to get the virus necessarily uh, because you're not wearing the mask, you're going to get it because you didn't wash your hands, that you didn't keep yourself clean and you didn't keep the six-foot distance, uh, that you didn't take certain precautions, uh, that you have to watch and eat more of the uh, vitamin C, uh, that you have to keep your immune system up higher. Uh, the people that are getting it by the highest percent, they try to tell you as older people, it's actually people with a weak immune system 
or the weak uh, uh, system of not taking the proper vitamin C. So there's an expansion that they're really not talking and telling people about. Now, I'd use what they call the baby wipe with the rubbing alcohol, and I have a pair of glasses I wear, and I put it under my on my nose and under my glasses, and that then actually is better than the mask that people are selling and buying because it has to uh, be of a certain density, and you need to just make sure you carry handy wipes, that you carry stuff with that has alcohol on it, that you don't touch anything. Uh, the virus stays on plastic bags at the store three to four hours. Uh, when you get the bags home, uh, destroy them, get them, put them in the garbage. Uh, make sure you spend the 10 minutes. They try to tell you 20 minutes to wash your hands. I don't know who would ever wash their hands for 20 minutes. Uh, so well, there's a lot 22 of seconds. Actually, I think you're Is saying 22 what? seconds, Dr. Tolbert. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no. Let's go. With, let's go with the twenty-two seconds because I. Yeah, I think that's what uh, they're saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I tell you what, I've seen it in so many variable things that. Right. Uh, yeah, it's just totally out of order what everything's doing. So, uh, we really just need to be more careful how, and understand. You know, communist countries pay a neighbor or a child a reward. And that's what several of these states are doing. Uh, they closed one of the churches in Florida, and they arrested the pastor because he had a service. Now, he was doing temperatures before people came in. He, came, he kept them six feet apart, and he controlled the entire environment. But he got arrested in one of the cities in Florida. Uh, DeSanto did release him. Uh, DeSanto took a different position on it. And the advice in a lot of the churches are doing the drive-in theater-type churches. Uh, they're doing a lot of the radio correspondence, letting you go to a parking lot at the church, uh, stay in your car, the pastor goes outside. They're doing the uh, uh, virtual reality. Uh, so there's a lot of changes. Uh, and I apologize for coming into your conversation. It's really no, expanded okay. that people realize Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, certainly. I mean, and I, and we'll get some comments from you, Joseph, and then I've, I've got an article about one of our topics tonight. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd, it's getting ridiculous. And what I don't understand is they keep I keep hearing that the numbers are going down, and, and they're much lower than what the projections were. Then why should, why are things – why are they even talking about tightening things as the numbers are getting better? I, I don't understand, the, you know – the logic of it, to be honest, I don't understand that. China was hiding their numbers, and, of course, we know China was back in October. China then said it leveled off, and now we're finding China's numbers are going back up again. But what's happening, China's numbers are not going back up. They just haven't been reporting the proper numbers. And we also heard that China, the people that had the virus, they were actually cremating people that were still alive. That were on the verge I of. Seen, I, I think I might have an article about that. Let me check. I think I actually that's a, there's an article on that on the. Yes. Um, your, Wuhan funeral homes burn um, corona victims alive, and, and let me go ahead and do, read this article real quick. Um, 
let me check this real quick. Um, hold on, we got uh, either a severe storm or a tornado watcher warning coming our way, so bear with me. So if I have to jump off here quickly, then I have to. I'm going to have to go because uh, it is extremely windy out where I'm out. And I noticed that we had severe storms, and then maybe some. Uh, yeah, my lights keep flashing here. So if I you lose me, that we we lose lost something. But anyway. And I just want to bring this up because you got next on the top of the uh, Bart's Logic Newsroom. And that's uh, here. Okay. I apologize for the pause. I'm getting some reports here about our, our weathers and some questions. So bear with me here. They're out there keeping an eye on the weather to see if I have to see some kind of shelter or anything. Warning. Yeah, you have a tornado warning until 2 a.m. in the morning. Okay. I'm getting reports. If I get to jump off here, I apologize. I keep getting live text. So I'll tell you what, um, let me go ahead and play the audio one tonight while I get uh, going on here uh, with our our weather. So let me mute the mics and I'll get that that on. Um, Let's see. Let me get that so I can check out what's going on with the weather here. Yeah, uh, you know, I tell you what, you never know what you're going to get on uh, on Bard's Live, do you? Let's see. That's, I can't find my audio clip. Let me see. I guess I'm trying to do too much multitasking right now. So I'm trying to pay attention to five things at one time. There we go. That's why. So here's, um, as I mentioned earlier, that there's something that the, you know, the way the progressives are trying to, Use the um, the coronavirus, of course, for the political events. Not only for the pet projects and bills, but also how they're going to try to make it use it for the the 2020 elections. But, um, I can't believe we have fun. There we go. Here's the audio for it. While I get checked on the weather, uh, please bear with me. Thank you. Progressive groups betting that Trump's briefings will be the left's greatest ammunition. Progressive groups that are spending millions to define President Donald Trump as an incompetent ignoramus and egomaniac during the coronavirus crisis are betting that Trump's own words at his press briefings will be their greatest ammunition, according to a Monday Washington Post report. As Trump uses the daily briefings to run circles around an inept and clueless legacy media that still seem to be stuck in the 2000s, the coronavirus, according to a recent Mother Jones report, made it clear to progressive operatives and advocates that they had an immediate role to play and that they could make a big difference by launching ad campaigns that define Trump on the election's new and biggest question. According to the Post, Trump's quote-unquote Marathon briefing sessions only give progressive groups more ammunition because, quote, all of Trump's performances are scooped up by Democratic super PACs, which employ entire teams dedicated to watching the president and logging his various comments. The most damning sound bites have begun to form the drumbeat of the November election. Priorities USA has reportedly spent $7.5 million in ads in battleground states working to win over, quote, persuadable voters who sided with President Barack Obama in 2012 and then backed Trump 
or to those who chose Mitt Romney in 2012 and then Hillary Clinton. Other groups like Protect Our Care and Packernam have also tried to define Trump to voters now when nearly much of the country is under stay-at-home orders. Guy Cecil, chairman of Priorities USA, told The Post, It's important when you have a president who's literally just lying, misinforming, mismanaging, that you use the president's own words. The group is trying to convince voters that Americans are in this position now because the administration didn't take it seriously. We could run a 10-minute ad every hour and still not scratch the surface of how the president has misinformed people and sent contradictory messages, Cecil told the Post. Last week, as Mother Jones noted, Priorities USA action started running ads in the swing states of Florida, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin that, quote, splices clips of Trump downplaying the crisis with a growing chart showing the rising number of infections in the United States. After the Trump campaign issued a cease and desist letter, the group doubled down and put up an updated ad in Arizona. Mother Jones also reported that the Protect Our Care group reportedly immediately set up a coronavirus war room, which is now serving as, quote, messaging hub meant to hold Trump accountable for the ways he has made the crisis worse and acting as a messaging clearinghouse for other groups. Protect Our Care's Brad Woodhouse told the outlet that some of the messages that progressive groups are pushing include, he screwed it up from the beginning. He hasn't learned from his mistakes. He's downplayed the crisis. He doesn't listen to experts. And that continues to make the crisis worse. You can't wait until October to tell the American people about how roundly he screwed this up, Woodhouse reportedly added. Other progressive super PACs, according to the Mother Jones report, immediately started to run advertisements on Facebook and on television to hammer this message. As Trump started dominating the briefings and cable outlets continued to, for the most part, air them live. Pakrenim, for instance, is reportedly spending $2.5 million through April on Facebook ads in battleground states to educate voters about, quote, how the Trump administration's chaos and incompetence have weakened the nation's ability to respond to the coronavirus crisis. Jesse Ferguson, a Democratic strategist, told Mother Jones that, quote, voters have deep concern about the character flaws of Donald Trump because they identify that he is selfish, that he is dishonest, and that he's chaotic. But up until now, those flaws have never had a cost. Up until now, people wrote those flaws off as he tweets too much. Now, the fundamental character flaws of Donald Trump are having real consequences, Ferguson reportedly said. That more than anything else may be his undoing. But progressive groups could be spending millions now to define Trump because Trump never implodes like the left-wing groups always think he will after every crisis. He added, One thing has been clear from the last five years of Trump which is that he has enough right-wing information channels that even when we think he will implode, he rarely does, Ferguson reportedly added. They're going to want to crown him the king of corona like Eisenhower was after D-Day, no matter what happens, he added. He ignored intelligence? You mean the same intelligence analysts that claimed $300,000 in Facebook ads changed an election, while $600 million spent by Bloomberg could only buy American Samoa? He ignored experts? You mean the same experts that claimed China, Canada, or Mexico would never sign a trade agreement with Trump? 
he ignored science? You mean the same scientists who told me in school I wouldn't see a winter in Alabama by the time I had kids? Well, we had snow back in December. You know who Trump didn't ignore? The voters. So you thought... Okay, folks, we've opened up uh, the mics here. Um, seems to have maybe died down a little bit, but we are keeping an eye out on some of the weather here. I wasn't planning on playing that audio until later, uh, but I want to just kind of check things out. We're not re- we're not getting any hail or anything here, uh, so I think we just um, just hit some heavy winds and lightning again, some 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 light uh, flickering. So uh, we're all right, I think, so far. Again, I'm, I'm going to try to keep uh, an eye on it. Uh, but first of all, I'm going to Joseph. Uh, you heard all those different things as to how the media, and you've heard me say this for a while, so it's not, it's not like it's an thing to use things, you know, as they have. I've been saying, actually, that the Democrats <laughs> themselves have been, uh, you know, Making their own commercials for for Trump, uh, but I mean, what, what do you? I mean, what do you think? Their speculations that they're actually going to try to use these press briefings, which which actually it, it kind of is counterintuitive because aren't wasn't it the progressives and the mainstream media saying they're going to stop covering his uh, his briefings if, if his briefings were giving them so much ammunition for their commercials? Why would they stop airing it if they think he eats one his foot in his mouth? Go ahead, Joseph. No, I mean, I couldn't agree with you uh, more. Um, absolutely. Uh, this is this this all boils down to 2020 and um, how this pandemic has been handled. Keep in mind uh, the, the Spanish flu back in uh, 1917, am I correct? 1918. 1917, 1918. 1917, 1918. So, you know, living back in 1917 was kind of, by today's contrast, living in the dark ages. Uh, I mean, they didn't have all these models and, and computer data and technology to help factor in the numbers that, 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 uh, the federal government uh, currently is able to do today in, in 2020. Um, also, at the same time, you know, we've never had a pandemic uh, politicized. Um, and That's so... That's point. Never, no. So this is unprecedented. And at the same time, so here we have um, a pandemic that's been politicized. And we have a lot of governors and mayors, not just New York, who ignored the CDC warnings and ignored President Trump's warnings back in January when they were trying to let the the whole country know that the coronavirus was serious and it could turn into a pandemic. Uh, You know, all these liberal um, mayors and and governors uh, told people the opposite. It's kind of like saying, you know, the building is on fire, but but your governor of your state is saying, nonetheless, don't worry, just run in there, and our firefighters will come rescue you. And common sense would say, no, I'm not running into a building with a fire. You must be out of your your mind. So um, I know this is going to sound a bit radical, but I think Donald Trump had no choice with uh, going based off of the projections and the analysts and his task force. 
Just I shut everything do it again. down. It's even more than he already is. Yeah. Absolutely, because I, I, I do believe, had he not implemented the, the, the China travel bans when he did, had he not decided to shut down the whole country when he did, we'd be looking at a death toll in the millions. Um, that I believe without a shadow of a doubt. Um, the, the real debate is how do we go about reopening it? Because uh, Trump kind of contradicts that. On, on, on one caution of error, he says that, you know, he'd like to reopen the economy region by region. But then he contradicts that earlier today at the uh, Corona Task Force briefing by saying, you know, ideally I'd like to open up the country, you know, all at once. So kind of a little bit iffy and, and creates a little bit more uncertainty. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, we definitely got to get that figured out because, I mean, how much more can the American people continue to suffer? I, I, I don't see how extending it past April 30th will will help, will help us. And when asked that question, um, you know, he, he wouldn't give an answer. Um so, yeah, that does worry me a little bit. Um, I, I hope we're able to geographically start reopening sections of our country. Uh, and I do foresee uh, situations in where the federal government will have to step in and uh, will have to say that, you know, you want to shut down your state for another three to four months when our numbers are showing that your your projections are low in the coronavirus deaths and that uh, it's you know it's stabilizing and there's no reason to shut down, and that'll be a big fight between you know the federal government and, and states' rights. And I'll leave you with one more interesting factor: the CDC is counting people who died from COVID. Uh, they're counting the mortality rates based on people who came in, uh, maybe with heart issues or heart failures were not definitively tested for COVID, but were under the suspicion or were thought to have had COVID and maybe passed away due to a heart attack or some other uh, pre-existing condition. And the CDC are factoring in those as COVID-19 mortality rates. And so that's another debate that a lot of the doctors and analysts are saying, we, we can't continue to do that because then those are not accurate numbers. We have to be able to significantly test them and do a proper autopsy to determine that just because they came in with the symptoms and they had another pre-existing condition, we're, we're just going to add that to the mortality rate. And I agree. And also Italy had that debate too. They had a few cases in where their patients came in with about three or four pre-existing conditions, didn't have time to definitively get tested, passed away, or died in the in the ER or the hospital, um, but yet they included them in the mortality rates just because they were under the suspicion of COVID-19. So that, that has to be fixed too because we got to get the numbers right, folks. If we don't get the numbers right, then the projections are not right, then that just further delays our country not only healing and not only combating this pandemic, but, but also getting our economy back together. So I thought that was uh, an interesting segment from the CDC um, that that's what they've been doing all along, and, and that's, uh, you know, finally coming into fruition today as more and more doctors and analysts are disagreeing with the CDC and saying that, that, that that's just going to make the pandemic worse and 
not giving not giving the true accurate number of what the mortality rates are. Uh, and I'll defer back to you, Robert. Good comment. Oh yeah, go ahead, and then I'll get the article. But yes, certainly, go ahead. Yeah, number one is the president of the United States made it very clear that we're sovereign states, and the federal government has no authority at all over the fifty states. The governor of New York took the position that the president should have authority over the state of New York rather than the New York governor taking and controlling his own state. So the president says, if you want our assistance, we will provide it, but you at the governor of your state must take actions accordingly because you are responsible for your state. So the president, and the first time, has actually recognized the sovereign state. So Trump mm-hmm. is the first president that took that position. Secondly, when we're talking about the fact that many people were dying of influenza and were dying of, of the flu, blamed it on the virus, and they didn't take the proper look at it and like it. He said it was a misrepresentation of numbers because people were coming in sick. They were dying of pneumonia. They were dying of the flu. They had other issues besides what was going on with the virus. So they pinned it all on the virus because they were being reciprocated profitably by the government of, the, of that country. So that's why they changed the way in the same that was happening in the United States, they were misrepresenting things in order to get the federal government more funding. And this is why this became a political issue. The next thing is the president's now doing several uh, TV uh, sponsorships for one hour every day, which was never allowed. But I have a problem with the entire political campaign with the virus, with the money, with the businesses, I get 10 to 20 emails and or text messages asking for donations by the president. Totally and in disagreement with anybody donating to any political party. If you want to call this a crisis and you have a business problem, why are we donating money to a political party? It just is totally out of... uh, order what's going on with that. So I'll let you take it from there, Robert. Robert, can I ask something very important? Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. we got plenty of time. Yeah. So, Dr. Tolbert, I have nothing but the utmost respect for you. And I pray that you're right. And I Trust me, I pray that you're right. But when you have governors, for example, of the state of Hawaii stating, not even waiting till April 30th comes comes into fruition, when they are already jumping the gun and stating that they're not planning on reopening Hawaii till June, I think at that point, with a lot of liberal governors politicizing this, because remember, this is unprecedented times. We're in uncharted waters. The governors have not made those moves yet until April 30th. However, if they choose to proceed for the well-being of the American people and is going to have no choice, And I'm not justifying it in any way, shape, or form, but I'll give you an example. Back in World War II, which I disagreed with, when Japanese Americans were placed in internment camps, 
which technically is unconstitutional, but they were unprecedented times in, in during the wartime, uh, during World War II, uh, the president took those actions. Um, I don't agree with him, but he was under immense public scrutiny to do so. Um, and so you got to understand that, yes, I do believe in states' rights, but if we clearly see that there is a pattern where you have governors of these key states that are prolonging the state economies from opening up, then at that point it becomes a national economic crisis. At that That's point, correct. President Trump has no choice but to intervene if the American people put the feet to the fire. Because I'm telling you something, when I heard that yesterday from the governor of Hawaii, that he wants to open things up in June, like, I'm, like I told Robert, and I've been telling uh, uh, Robert since the beginning of this pandemic, there will be blood in the streets if we wait till June, in July. And it's yeah. scary that the rhetoric of these governors is going in that direction. And if they choose, let's just say hypothetically, let's say all of the modules show that we could start reopening region by region, uh, but they choose because of the political ideology to say, nah, we decided to open up in July. There's going to be no choice because it's either that or we go into something even more graver than the, than the Great Depression. Something yeah, that I don't think our country can ever recover from. And it's scary because we're talking about governors from the biggest states, such as New York, such as California. Um, you know, that, that, uh, you know Hawaii is not a big state, but nonetheless, it's one of the biggest states uh, for tourism that are already setting out these projections. And they're not even waiting to April 30th. So it's so clear that it's so politicized. I think a nine-year-old with an IQ and and uh, 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 a common sense could see that. So that's what worries me, and that would be, Dr. Tolberg, the only scenario in where I could see that public outrage into the streets that would not end peacefully will have to force Trump's hand, and I'm confident that if Trump has to do so as the leader of our country, he's going to do right by it. I know he's okay, not going to allow our system to be hijacked, and he's not going to allow the suffering of American people and people to, to, start, uh, to start starving. And I'll defer yeah. back to you, but that's my concern. Yes, the governor of the state of Hawaii is already talking about June, and we're not even close to April 30th yet. You know, we kind of are, but, you know, so it does worry me. And, and that's the only scenario where I could foresee that being real, sad but realistic. Yeah, there's consideration being given under the 9-11 war clause. And under that war clause, it actually oversees the state rights. And the the president has given necessary. He would call upon the war clause as we did in 9-11, where the federal government controlled all the airways, transportations, and everything and closed down the entire United States. So that would be his way to bypass legally the Constitution of the sovereign states. Now, having said that, I'm going to say this openly as a pastor, that given God's grace and glory, you in the end of May will have no new cases of the virus. Your percentage will be down. And there will be no cause of action 
for anything other than that. I think when the governor of Hawaii, who's a Democrat, makes improper decisions in many different ways, hopefully his Christian viewpoint is correct and you will have no issues, not only in Hawaii, but the other 50 sovereign states and our territories and the decrease of this throughout the other countries. But you're correct in the fact the president under the 9-11 war clause can actually close down the states and tell the governors what to do. Go ahead, Robert. Thank you, Dr. Tolbert. And once again, it's, it's always refreshing to have you on the show. And uh, like I said, you, you, you've taught me so much. I've learned so much from you. Knowledge is power. And uh, Robert, only one more thing to add. If, the voters were as knowledgeable as Dr. Tolbert. There would be no way Nancy Pelosi uh, or Chuck Schumer would ever come to power, and a lot of other names I could name in our uh, long litany of history. And I mean that with the utmost respect. And that's that's the problem. Why, as Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all these establishment um, Tolbert and, and really don't know what's going on. They believe anything they hear on the news. Quite frankly, if NBC or CNN or ABC were to announce that the end of the the world was coming tomorrow, uh, I think people would be looting the streets and getting uh, cans of food for the Last Supper and and water, and I mean that with no hyperbole. Uh, And that's how sad our electorate is. Um, uh, They're not informed. They don't care to be informed. They believe everything they see on the news without verifying it, and the very few people like Dr. Tolberg who are very well informed and very educated knows under has a, a complete understanding of our constitution, states' rights, how federal government is supposed to work. Um, it lacks people to be able to make informative decisions at the ballot box. Did you know that the president formed a committee to see that the funding and things were done? And there were members of the Republican Party that were put on this committee to ensure that this trillions of dollars was being spent and operated accordingly, and that Pelosi and Schaefer were so upset they were now going after Trump on another uh, impeachment based on his uh, control. Yeah, they're actually going after him on another impeachment from formulating a committee as the president under the executive branch who has the authority to form to ensure the enforcement of the expenditures of these $2 trillion. So this is just another reason why Schaefer and Pelosi has to be removed from office. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's ridiculous. I mean, they're going to try this thing again. Go ahead, Joseph. No, I was just going to just say I didn't know that. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Pelosi, for letting me. I had no, I had no clue. I didn't know. Oh yeah, yeah. They're ta- they're talking about, uh, yeah, impeaching him on his response to the coronavirus. I mean, you know, like, I I say go ahead, do it. Just go ahead and do it because I mean, it, the, my understanding is approval numbers went up anyway after the whole impeachment thing. <laughs> you know, so hey, yeah, do it again. And I think the, and I think the more the people. See how the Democrats are handling this and what they're doing. I really do. I think the more people see this, the more they're like, you know what? These people care squat about the American people. 
They don't. I mean, now, you know, I just seen on Twitter, now they're, of course, talking about another stimulus bill, and they want to vote from home. You know, it's like, look, here's the thing. You know what pisses me off about these politicians? This is what pisses me off about these politicians, is that, you, what, are we telling police officers not go to work? No. No. Because a part of their job is danger. Are we telling firefighters not to go to work? No. Are military people not going to work? No. Are, are, you know, my point is, as these politicians, when you become a politician, be honest, you, you, you kind of are putting your life at risk. You have people who want to assassinate you, you know, yeah, but you have plenty of guards and this and that for it. But you, there is a risk to being a politician. And if you were going to take all the benefits, you know, like lifetime health care, even if you have served one term, pension, the money you get, the travel, things of that nature, let me tell you something. You need to put your ass at risk. Because you represent the American people. It's your job, in my view, to take that risk, get your ass in the office. If you want to wear gloves, if you want to wear a mask, hell, if you want to wear an EV suit, you know, wear a space suit if you freaking have to. But you know what? Get your ass in the halls of Congress. I'm getting fired up. But seriously, get your ass in the hall of Congress, push that damn button on whether you want to vote for another $2 trillion bill, and not get in there. So seriously, there are ways around it. Protect yourself. Where the same PPP, we don't tell nurses not to go to work. Why you, Mr. and Ms. Politician, why are you above those people who put themselves in harm's way when it comes to this coronavirus, and you don't? You serve the people, just like these people serve the people. They get paid to serve the people. You get paid to serve the people. Why should you guys and gals get more protections against this coronavirus by not going into your job, okay, because you could do your job. It's just going to take longer to pass the bill. Have a limited amount of people in there so you could take your, your you know, stance. Have someone sitting at the door, because I've been to Congress before. I know the hoopla's that you have to go through just to sit in the damn gallery, okay? So, hey, when they, before they walk in, boop, put a, uh, you know, take your temperature. If you want to wear PPE so you can make a vote, you know what? You represent the people. You should do that. And you know what? Massey's on the front run of this, and he, that, yeah, that's what he should do. He's like, fuck, I'm going to show up. You know, oh, well, we got to go to the airport, stuff like that. Okay, still got to work. They're going to be exposed more than these people. Okay, you being a politician, you want to say, oh, well, these essential people. Are going to... People at grocery stores. People who work in a grocery store. People who work at a hardware store, people who work at restaurants, they put themselves out there. They put themselves in the public, especially people, you know, at uh, grocery stores and like hardware stores, stuff like that, because the people go in there. A hundred people are allowed inside a store. I've been, again, I've been inside the halls of Congress. Not. I've been in the, you know, with the gallery. That's a large-ass room. Excuse my French. I'm not being very logical, but that's a large room. can fit, you know, ever six. You know, if you could fit 100 people in there, you know, then, and, and you know, if you want to have everybody every six feet, it can be done. It's just going to take longer to vote. So these guys need to show that they actually are willing to represent the people. If you're going to vote for another $2 trillion bill 
and which the Democrats, of course, are doing, <coughs> try to pay for their pet, uh, pet projects, is that – gosh, I should put this on Twitter at some point, but um, why don't they do it? Seriously, why, why aren't they? They say all these other people can go to work. Why can't they go to work? Because they're going to be at risk and their staff's going to risk. Wear PPE. Do the things like change your clothes and everything like that that other people are suggesting. But anyway, we're not going to do what the Chinese do. We'll get to that article, and I, I, I should probably tweet that out. But anyway, before the storm, it is dying down here, so that's good to, uh, good to see. It's one of those quick storms. But, yeah, let's go back to what people may want to hear more about. This report about um, them burning people alive in Wuhan. I got this. This is actually like the top story on the Bard's Logic newsroom that you can find at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And uh, it's, uh, it says Wuhan funeral home, homes burned coronavirus victims alive. So locals in Wuhan, where the Chinese coronavirus pandemic originated, <clears throat> have heard screams coming from the funeral home furnaces, and some treat it in hospitals say they saw workers put living coronavirus patients' bodies in bags. Free, free, or I'm sorry, Radio Free Asia reported on Monday. FRA noted that it could, be independ- it could not be independently verified and that the Chinese Communist Party was burning coronavirus patients alive, nor has the Communist Party confirmed or denied the rumors. Of course, they're not going to confirm it, but they haven't denied it either. Yet the rumors persist that to make room for new patients in Wuhan's overcrowded hospitals, medical, I thought they opened up Wuhan, but anyway, it says medical staff chose older patients less likely to survive the infection and shipped them to incinerators while they were still alive and conscious. RFA quoted a source close to the funeral industry, identified only as Ma, who said that he had her restrained and forced into body bags, and then they were still moving. Some people are saying that there are video clips of screams coming from the funeral homes and from inside the furnaces, which tell us that some people were taken to the funeral home while they were still alive, Ma added. But I also noted the, uh, noted the existence of video testimony from an anonymous older woman who had been treated at the Wuhan hospital, presumably for the coronavirus, Chinese coronavirus. <laughs> One old lady was saying that they put one guy into a bag when he wasn't even dead yet and took him off to the crematorium because there was no way of saving him, M.A. to Arba pulled RFA. A video of an older woman speaking, and there's a video on here, so that, that may be the, the videos they're referring to. Um, it says, video of an older woman speaking anonymous to a camera began circulating on social media in February in which she said she witnessed a patient next to her at a Wuhan hospital stuffed into a body bag while still alive. He's not dead. His feet and hands are still moving, the woman says. They wrapped him in a plastic body bag and zipped it up. According to New Tang Dynasty, a broadcaster affiliated with the persecuted Chinese Falun Gong movement, the woman spoke with Yuhan accent, suggesting she was a native to the central Chinese city. The Taiwanese outlet Taiwan News traced the origin of the video to a Chinese called the Youth Production, who reportedly uploaded the video on February 24th. Taiwan News noted that the woman claimed to have suffered from coronavirus symptoms, but was in her late 60s. She did not bear symptoms and let the man taken away, who she estimated was in his 70s. She said the man was weak but still breathing when medical workers bowed his head and his hands and feet, which were still moving. Taiwan News reported, reported noting that she also lamented that the hospital where she received care had no other treatment available for coronavirus patients besides oxygen. 
in the West, doctors have begun experimenting with several drug mixes, one of which a uh, combination of antibiotics and hydrochloroquine, uh, a drug <coughs> excuse me, treated uh, lupus and malaria, has generated optimism in American hospitals. When was this article written? It can't be too long. Oh, April 7th. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yesterday. Okay. And so, uh, let me, I'm scrolling down. I apologize. It said, uh, the woman said she felt older patients in the hospital were like were treated like dead dogs. Neither Taiwan News nor RSA could independently confirm the reports of Wuhan residents being burned alive. The China, and then it just goes on from there. And you can read the rest, you know, again, of the policy, of the article, which I got through about half of it. The, the other half's like a lot of, um, you know, like numbers, uh, you know, how many died, this and that. But, that you know, that's well, – that Sorry, I was a strike of lightning that, that <laughs> distracted me. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, those are reports, and I guess once this is finally all said and done, perhaps we'll, you know, actually get some real answers. But uh, I would have to say that we probably shouldn't hold our breath for that, no pun intended. So there's the, the the report on that. Now one of the things um, I found here. Can you guys still hear me? And then one thing I want to uh, to go over is uh, go to the the blog talk radio here and you go to the page. Um, I've kind of got a, um, a little slide going. It's got Fauci actually, and a, and a picture. I and a, a, it's just a picture I found, and it's actually being circulated on Twitter, where you see Fauci's kind of in a group with a bunch of people. And some of the, the figures there are pretty interesting to find. Like, you got Fauci there. You have George Soros there, Barbara Walters, um, you know, there. You know, some other liberal people are there. Um, and then also they're saying, as I think we mentioned earlier, Bill Gates is a socialist, where he actually has ties. Uh, with Bill Gates, and through my understanding, uh, I believe he's even on a board uh, with uh, with uh, Gates on um, on vaccines. So what I said earlier, maybe find the money or follow the money when it comes to uh, you know why. I mean, yeah, they're always talking about the vaccine, and, and and you said something earlier. I want to I want to bring back to it. Uh, I believe it was um, it was one of you guys, and what that is is when they were talking about um, you know the vaccines and and you're talking about the um, the flu and then also the Spanish flu. But one thing I'm not I don't hear about you know because they were saying oh well, they think that the coronavirus is going to come back like be secular like the regular flu. Now I'm I mean Dr. Tober, you probably know this better than I. Um, now, I know you're not a doctor of you know, medicine or anything like that, or medical doctor, even though Whoopi Goldberg thinks uh, Joe Biden's uh, wife would make a great uh, surgeon general. And she's such a great doctor, Whoopi Goldberg said. And then she was corrected, saying, um, she's a doctor of philosophy for education. She's got a PhD in education. <laughs> so she was like, uh, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it was funny watching Wolfie Goldberg. You know Goldberg say that. Oh, she's like, oh yeah, she. Uh, you know, but she was she was corrected. Uh, but anyway, so 
we, what I wanted to bring up is how come we don't really hear anything more about H1N1 coming up? I mean, if that was supposed to be kind of like the flu, how come that one has a particular? And what makes them so confident that this one's going to be? There's actually articles com- making comparison on that, and let's go back into the fact there's only one advantage to have a doctorate degree in education is that you realize you know nothing and you do a lot of research. So in 2010, when I got my EBD, which is a doctorate degree in education, I learned that I have to do a lot of research, but I cannot give an opinion. I must prove whatever I have to say. So in putting people in staff to certain positions, you have to base it on their ability to do research. For an example, the Supreme Court, you are not required to be a lawyer, to be a lawyer, to be on the Supreme Court, but yet the Constitution says that is not a requirement. So a person to be a Surgeon General, should it be a person with the ability to bring together other surgeons, or should it be a person with a medical background that lacks comprehension in order to do so? Well, for an example, there was people that ran uh, for the president several years ago that ran and became a senator, uh, didn't win the election. He moved to New York, and he was a surgeon, and he didn't know nothing. Uh, there are many people that have medical backgrounds that are incompetent. Your current uh, uh, secretary or ambassador or whatever you want to call her for education has no degrees, but she's running your Department of Education. Uh, the people that are on certain uh, committees for the president, for the Congress, have no background in a certain position. For an example, the ambassador for the OAS, Organization of American States, is a Republican and only because he's Spanish and a Republican did he get appointed to that position. So people aren't being appointed by their education. They're being appointed for their lack of knowledge today. Uh, That's one of the biggest problems. Uh, You would take myself for an example, and you would put me on a committee for the White House, and I teach the Constitution, and I teach the Bible, and I, I would be an advisor Uh, Would I be more qualified because of the fact my degrees in theology, my degrees in education, or would it be because I learned how to manage as a retired master sergeant in the Army, as the background of my military, my my, uh, ownership of an executive airplane company, uh, the caregiver that I did for 10 years of certain uh, women in their 80s and 90s, So my background would have influence on my ability to hold a position. The president is only appointing people that are multimillionaires that are Republicans in order to support a political campaign. And this is the problem with our entire system. We're not putting people in position for their knowledge, putting them in position because their financial support and their political party that they're uh, supporting so everything you hear everything you see and everything that's happening is totally untrue uh, that's where I stand on it anyway Robert all right so, uh, so I like to talk about with, with, with Fauci he's actually uh Fauci's actually a uh, Hillary Clinton supporter 
Yeah, and you know that goes yeah. back right now. That Biden is not getting Obama's support, so everybody's wondering. And Trump made a comment: uh, Why isn't Biden, uh, Biden getting support? And will Hillary actually run uh, for the president? Uh, who will Biden's vice president be? And why hasn't Obama jumped in the middle of all this? He's not making mm-hmm. any comments about the virus. He's not making any comments about the political uh, chosen person running for office. And yet here's a multi-millionaire that stole, raped, and should be in jail for treason and, and terrorism. Um, so the whole thing is just uh, where where will this all take us in, in uh, uh, November? Now, you know that the president in November can stay as president if he if he makes this a national emergency. So there would be no election. Also, the Democrats want you to do a absentee ballot rather than go to the White House so they can manipulate your ballots. So there's a lot oh, of... Oh, yeah, certainly. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I mean, just there's a lot of falsehood to this whole thing that's going on right now. Will we actually have an election? Uh, will someone be able to go down and or, or will they extend this out? This thing's going to be all over in June. Uh, it's going to be like anything else. Uh, when they talked about the 1918 uh, virus that happened, there were 50 million people that died. Uh, and yet, you know, we weren't prepared to do anything. Uh, there, there's just a lot of questions uh, that are scaring the president. His being reelected is based on his handling the federal government's ability to control the virus so it's not expanding. And he's doing so by saying, governors, here's my advice what you should do. Here's our daily reports. And the governors, you need to follow it. And if you don't, we're going to enforce the War Act of of the 9-11. So that's where everything's at. If I may add something, Robert. No, 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 that's actually going to add to do that. Yeah. I don't think it's in Donald Trump's nature, and that's what people fear so much about him. He's not a politician unlike anything we've ever seen hold the presidency of this country. And I truly believe his actions speak for himself and that he would never put the American people at risk or jeopardy uh, for political gains. Uh, And also from a business standpoint, um, he wants to keep his legacy intact. However, I agree with Dr. Tolbert. From the moment he was elected, uh, he was not, he did not make good choices in surrounding himself with the best people. And the Trump administration, out of all previous administrations, has had the most leaks and the most either resigning, being forced to resign, or being fired and replaced. In presidential, in president, in administration history, President Trump has the most of that, which isn't good. Classic example: picking Ryan Priebus, the most establishment oh, Republican <laughs> RNC chairman, <laughs> you know. To begin with, to start his presidency as chief of staff. So I think that Donald Trump hasn't been such a great politician in regards as knowing who to really surround himself around and knowing where to see the red flag 
and where to cut cut the lines with that. And I think that's the problem. Uh, that's always been an inconsistency with Donald Trump, and that's why you've seen so many key officials come and go, come and go like a revolving door. Um, but at the same time, it, it's kind of hard because, you know, he's he's doing unprecedented things that no other president has, has done before. Um, and prior to this, I mean, we, we had one of the best economies in history. And he's always proven with his actions that he's always placed the American people first. And he's done that his entire term in his uh, 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 while he's president. But as to the little birdie in his ear, that's a whole different debate. And Dr. Colbert, I, I completely agree with you. You know, um, uh, if he has the wrong people, like Dr. Fauci, telling him the wrong mm-hmm. things, and he's always taking it at face value, that's a problem. That, that That's always been Donald Trump's weakness uh, since he was elected president is, who he has surrounded himself with and, you know, knowing where does he cut the line? Where does he, where does he draw the line and say, you know what, what got me to the dance was my business acumen. I was one, I'm I'm one of the most top famous business people to have ever lived. And how did I do that? Also by following my gut and my instincts. He's failed to do that as a politician because he's not a politician. Nonetheless, you know, that's not an excuse. He needs to know how to tweak that. He needs to know how to conform to that. He needs to know when to turn the business aspect off or how to channel that into the political perspective and make those same gut and instinct business decisions that brought him to fame. He needs to be able to transition that politically and know when to say, okay, at this point, Dr. Fauci, that's where we part turns. I, I don't believe that you're leading us in the right direction i got to follow my gut and instincts on this, i got to drop you, or et cetera, you know, for example. And um, I'll defer back to you. The question I have, Robert, is my understanding that Fauci is supporting Bill Gates and that that would be one of the things that need to be looked at. And secondly, I just want to bring up the fact that we send 100 pages to the president on a monthly basis we also email him on a on a daily basis uh, to, through the um, government, uh, the president's uh, account. Uh, we advise him of the constitutional rights, and within 90 days, we have noticed, and people could say it's all coincidental, uh, we have a couple factors to prove. Uh, when I couldn't get the federal loan to put my quarter of a million under the uh, forgiveness program, as a 501c3, within 30 days, uh, the federal loan said, we got a letter from the president, and you're now under that program. Uh, when we wrote him the articles on the tariffs, within 60 days, he was in Canada and did the tariffs. When we did the article on the VA in April, and we sent it to the Congress and the president, in May or June it was done, and then last year he said, he had a retired military master sergeant uh, send paperwork, and they formulated the mission program. Of course, they don't say Dr. Tobert. Uh, when we submitted articles on Common Core or when we write articles on certain things, I don't think people realize you as one individual can actually impact the direction person of President Trump's nature 
but you may not become a member of his staff because you don't have the multi-million dollars and you're not a Republican, but he will still take what you send him and use it as his personal information. Is that the right thing and the wrong thing? I think I got to take you back to Isaiah uh, 42, 1 through 4. And in Isaiah 42, it clearly states that whatever I say, you may never know I said it. Whatever I say, you may hear, but you may not know who you heard it from. In Isaiah 47, it says, the wind will blow and the breeze will blow and you will learn from what's going on but that person's name will not become known to you. In Isaiah 42, 3, it says, then he will be exposed and you will find out his name. And then in Isaiah 42, 4, it says, and he is the chosen one will become the leader of the nations. So be changes that even though you may not be known for who you are or what you do, a simple copying of a broadcast of this show, which goes to the president, which get posted on Lincoln and, and, and Facebook and Twitter. It gets emailed to the president and everything you say and everything you hear. And then one day you hear your exact comments be being duplicated. You'd say, well, how did he come up with that? Well, it's not by coincidence. It's because you in Hawaii or you in Ohio or me and Florida brought the issues up, and the president, as a business person, follows the advice of people that have knowledge that he does not have. So there's the advantage. I don't believe a president should be political. I ran for the presidency in 2012. I ran for the government governor in 2014. I ran for the U.S. Senate in 2016. And 18, and I didn't win, run to win. I ran to learn. So 200 meetings and learning is a 10-year process. So you don't need to be a politician, but you got to go through the trials and errors. So I just kind of want everybody to just be advised of the fact that every person in the United States can advise the president by just writing a simple letter to him. Go ahead, Robert. No, I certainly appreciate it. I mean, and I frankly, I mean, frankly, I've experienced that. I mean, other times I'd be watching things uh, like Laura Ingram, or or I'll be watching things such as uh, you know Hannity or or um, Tucker Carlson, you know, and things of that nature. And then I'll hear like a, a phrase or a word or a topic that you know we we talk about here on the show, and I'm like. And I'll talk to people who I'm sitting with in the room and, and, and watching the, the shows. I'm like, hey, 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 hey. Like, we, we were talking about this like two weeks ago. <laughs> and that would happen all right. the time. I'm not even saying it happens a lot. Um, I mean, it's happened its fair share to make me say, hmm. And I'll be honest with you, it's happened its fair share. And I'll be frank with you, you know, full disclosure, is that there have been at times in the past throughout the seven years, eight years I've been doing this, um, and even recently, not real recently, but recently, where I've considered not doing the show anymore, um, just because, you know, a lot of other things going on in my life and things of that nature. Didn't really think, you know, making much of an impact, things like that nature. But then when I start seeing the, then I start seeing these type of things, um, it, it just start making me thinking like, hmm, hey, wait a minute. We just talked about that a few weeks ago on the show, and now we're hearing it, you know, now we're hearing it here. 
you know, on you know these other these other programs. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually starting to think that, you know, so that kind of spurs me on when that happens. I said it, it don't happen all the time, uh, but it does happen, and so you know it kind of motivates me to, to keep things going because it, it, it does it does it does actually happen, and I've seen that. Yeah, we've got a truck driver named Nathan that is uh, on Sally's show normally on Monday and. He was driving a gas tanker at nights, and he was off on certain nights, and now he's switched over. He, he's hauling all the fruits and vegetables, and he has degrees in theology and things like that, and he's more intelligent on the Constitution than any of the politicians are, and he he actually listens to all the talk show hosts throughout the world while he's driving, and he calls in on these shows, and he tells them things. But what he does, most importantly, he actually writes letters and emails every talk host about anything. He writes them about the Electoral College. He writes them about uh, different subjects uh, that people aren't even discussing. And then the individual radio hosts start talking to him, and everybody says it's, again, a coincidence. You know, we did uh, uh, two talk radios on the Electoral College and the fact of the Electoral College and what it was. And you remember in last February, Robert, when you and I, and we did it on Karen's show and Sally's show, we did the VA and we sent that out. So, mm-hmm. you know, you do have an impact. A simple truck driver has an impact by writing letters. You know, your show, uh, I tried to, I tried downloading it just now on my other phone and I couldn't get your show to download so I could bring it live. And I tried to post mm-hmm. it. But I wasn't able to do it. Maybe it's confusion on my part, so it's not simplified where people can go to it. Uh, but you know, it's important that when you finish your show, you you post it. You 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 post a little bit. You keep it where you can do it on Twitter. Uh, you do it where you can do it on Lincoln. Uh, people will repost it and won't tell people that who gave it to them. They'll resend it out. Uh, and I, I'll take a simple example. We got 50 churches following us right now on Facebook uh, from many, many countries because we worked with one church, and they sent it to another church who sends it to another church. So we'll take our talk show tonight, and we'll send it to Cambodia. And you say, well, why would you send it to Cambodia when it's relevant to the United States? Well, we are a republic. We're not a democracy. And under being a republic, they need to change their country to being a republic. And so the the, the uh, uh, Cambodians, the Thailand, and these other people need to rethink their position. Now, having said that, we watch the Secretary of the State. We watch the IG. We watch all these people telling that Venezuela should become a democracy. No, that's not the right word, and we try to advise them. A democracy is a leading example of communism, of socialism. Yet everybody wants and, and to actually, use the word. Go ahead. Real quick, and it's not giving me a, a, a specific number, but there's a map that I have access to that says where you know we've got some listens from around the world, and um, and so. It don't give me exact number, exact percentage, especially if it's less than 1%. Um, but according to this, I've got my little cursor on Cambodia. 
and by golly, <laughs> there's some, it's got some listens there. It says percentage of listens less than 1%, but it hasn't colored in that there's actually been some listens from Cambodia. <laughs> so that's interesting yeah. to see. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, well, we, we actually, as we're talking, did a share with several pastors in Cambodia. So whether that's a coincidence of my sending it to them or whether this just happens to be one of the factors, uh, which you never know for sure the answer, because I've had people say, no, we just accidentally picked you guys up. We didn't do it on purpose, or no one sent it to us, or we didn't do it because we're posting. But, yeah, you you know, they need to learn. And, and it can't, you know, what we're teaching on the virus tonight is going to be international. It's not just what we're doing in the United States. Uh, you know, like we said earlier, my wife is from Venezuela. We got married in Trinidad last year. And unfortunately, she's still in Venezuela because there's an issue with the immigration. They broke down uh, the transfer documents. Everything is under trials and tribulations. But there's a positive side to it. There's negatives. Uh, so I know everything about Venezuela. I know everything about Cambodia and Thailand. And you have friends in, in the Philippines. And I have a lot of friends in the Philippines. Uh, I work with people in Turkey and in, in Africa and Haiti. Uh, there was a guy who was who, uh, a pastor in, in uh, Africa who had just had a, a little baby, and uh, he had three children, and his wife went to the hospital, and there was no transportation, and his wife died. She bled to death, but the baby was alive, Aww. and he didn't come back against God. He just stood up and said, you know, I can't always answer why God does something, but I can only tell you that I believe in God because I am a pastor. This guy, before that, he was a witch doctor. He got converted to Christianity. He went through this with three of his children and his wife. He mentioned there was transportation. His wife dies, and he doesn't let God go. He doesn't turn himself away. There are so many things that we have to understand. God is a divine purpose behind what's happening. I'm called to this whole thing. $250,000 student loans, 10 years of college for one purpose, to bring God back to the nations. That's my only purchase. It's not about politics. It's not about all the things people want to think. So we get into conversations about the politics. I'm going to tell you something that happened and what God does. Uh, I just got a 50% disability through the military. And people say, well, that's terrible. Well, guess what I found out? 50% 50% disability, my wife becomes part of the of the, of the the whole thing. I get more money, and I still get my military retirement pay. And the only difference now is I have to walk with a cane. I have to be more careful. I have to watch what I do. But 90% of all my work is done on computers and telephones. Uh, there's a purpose of everything that happens to us. I know, Robert, there's issues with your daughter and her traveling and and the money, and I still say there's a time for everything, and your daughter is going to be overwhelmed with the success things that's going to happen to her. I'm not going to sit there and say, well, maybe God's going to do this, or maybe God's going to do no. There's no. God is going to do. This is for a purpose. There will be a finalization of this. Don't ever take in your life a maybe or a if or what if. Always stay with that positive thought, and things do happen. Uh, 
when I went for my to my bachelor's degree in in uh, 1981 with the University of Maryland, I opened up an airplane company. And when I started my bachelor my my master's in theology, and God told me uh, to turn around and go get my uh, uh, master's also in in education and. The, the teacher said, well, you can't come in here because we're three weeks and you're not going to be a student for the Masters of Education. And I said, God said. Next morning, I was a student. When I went and finished two years of my two master degrees, as I did them simultaneous, two different universities, I went into a Nova University and I said, I want to do a doctor degree. And they said, if you would have came yesterday, you wouldn't have been a student. But last night at 11 o'clock, we changed our rules so you can be a doctor of education without being a certified teacher. So I was the first student to follow God's instructions. And I said, God, I can't afford to pay a quarter of a million dollars. God said, don't worry about it. I'm paying zero amount in a month because it's income-based. I don't take donations. I don't take offerings. I, I count on God to take care of me. Your health, your life, your family. All the things are happening you is for the blessings of the foregoing conclusions that the United States of America will lead and help all the countries. We have built up our military. We've increased our production. We've started new industrial programs. We're building new uh, factories. We're doing everything we need to do, and yet we're coming and saying the virus is a problem. The virus is a teaching tool for us to reach the next level of the expansion of the United States of America. We're going to get out of the WHO program. We're going to close down our environment with the UN. We're going to bring closer all the countries all throughout the world that need our assistance, not just in defense, but in medical care for other reasons. We're sending ships to places with medical packages to help and assist. We're doing things people don't even know. How many people know that we have warships sitting on the outside of Venezuela? How many people know there's a $15 million reward for the president of Venezuela, Madu, and nine of his staff? How many people know what we're doing on, on, on the marijuana and the drug cartels? How many people are following anything the president's doing and all they're aware of is the virus? So maybe I can be quiet now. Go ahead, Robert. Well, kind of like uh, you know, kind of like uh, the impeachment. You know, they're, they're saying, "Oh, what did uh, what was Trump doing?" You know, and, and how his response was lacking or, or, or delayed or something of that nature. They're, they're too busy trying to uh, trying to impeach him. Uh, now, one of the things that got here. Uh, well, let's see, I'm going to get rid of that one. Uh, but there was a few, you know, back to, and then I want to get on, move on to another topic. But uh, with Gates, uh, I've got a few things here. And, you know, I, I really think we need to watch this guy and learn more about him. Because, uh, you know, it says, <coughs> excuse me, it says, Gates is funding coronavirus vaccines. And that's the key. You hear about Fauci talk about vaccines all the time. Oh, vaccine, vaccine. You know, which I don't know. I mean, after the H H one N one, how fast they got that together. I mean, not that I ever got a flu shot anyway. I, I'm not big into those types of things anyway. But I know I never did the, even trust that the, the new flu shot with H one H one N one. But 
we do never hear about it anymore. But anyway, this Gates is funding coronavirus vaccine candidates that would compete with uh, uh, chloroquine. And Dr. Fauci's agency is co-partnering on the project. Says the company Moderna is working on a coronavirus vaccine, which they expect to go into clinical trials in April. Dr. Fauci has heaped praise on Moderna and said that a vaccine is the only way to definitively assure the end of the virus. Gates is working on multiple coronavirus vaccine projects. The New Eastern Outlook Journal reported Gates Foundation money is backing vaccine development on every front. Inovio Pharmaceuticals of Pennsylvania received $9 million from Gates-backed CEPI, Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, to develop the vaccine, NO4800, which is about to test on humans in April. A suspiciously rapid time frame. In addition, Gates Foundation just gave the company and added $5 million to develop a pre- uh, pre- I'm sorry. Uh, pri- pri- God, why can't I say that word? <laughs> Propri- uh, proprietary smart device for intradermal delivery, intradermal delivery of the new vaccine. Why didn't they need a smart device for that? But anyway, <laughs> says in addition, Gates Foundation monies by a CEPI are financing de- uh, financing development of a new radical vaccine method known as messenger RNA or mRNA, which I don't know a lot about that, but anyway, it says, they're co-founding the Cambridge, Massachusetts biotech company, Moderna, Inc., to develop a vaccine against the Wuhan novel coronavirus, now called SARS-CoV-2. Moderna's other partner is with the U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, NIAID, a part of the National Institute of Health, NIH, uh, the head of the NIAID is Dr. Anthony Fauci, the person at the center of the Trump administration's virus emergency response. Notable about the Fauci Gates Moderna core virus vaccine, mRNA-1273, is that it has been rolled out in a matter of weeks, not years, and in February, on, on February 24th went directly to Fauci's NIH for tests on human guinea pigs, not on mice as normal. Ordinal's chief medical advisor, Tal Zax, argued, I don't think proving this is an animal model is on the critical path of foundation and related entities such as CPI uh, constitute the large funders of the public-private entity, known as WHO, and that is current director, Tedros Elamhan, the first WHO director in history, not a medical doctor, worked for years on HIV with the Gates Foundation when Tedros was a government minister in Ethiopia. Uh, We also, uh, and we see that there is no, practically no area of uh, current coronavirus pandemic where the footprints of the omnipresent Gates are not to be found. If that is good to tell the mankind grounds with blah, blah, blah. So let's see. I know there's something that's more telling. Um, I'm just going through the uh, the article, which, you know, now this one I did not get from, I think I get this one. No, this one I did not get from the, the Barge Life site. This is just one I found. Hmm. 
It says, it says in, this is, I'm scrolling down the article. It says, in October 2019, Fauci announced a partnership between the Gates Foundation and Fauci's agency in which the Gates Foundation pledged to spend $100 million. The National Journal of Managed Care reported on October 28, 2019, the National Institute of Health, NIH, has announced plans to invest at least $100 million over the next four years to develop gene-based therapies, therapies for two diseases, HIV and sickle cell disease. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation will also contribute $100 million to the goal of advancing this potential care on the I'm trying to find – I hate these long-winded articles where it's like, just get to the point. Anyway, I apologize for that. But, yeah, it's long. It's actually it's called yournews.com. When I was looking at that, this is an article that was posted about four days ago when people start wondering why, you know, Fauci's like – you know, one, keeps blasting, you know, the hydro – I, I can't pronounce it because I don't say it enough, but uh, I do remember it took, uh, like, uh, it took Andy a little bit to pronounce it. I mean, I can't really pronounce it all the way either. Um, but I was, I was trying to find here where they're talking, again, it's such a long article, where they're talking about, uh, okay, give me one that. Okay, yeah, I see other people. Yeah, I see that you're on the, on the, on the call. Uh, press 1, I'll get you to the show. Um, well, I read somewhere, maybe someone else read somewhere, where the um, that those two are on the same board. So, you know, they're really pushing, of course, these vaccines, but, but why? I mean, yeah, you can vaccines and things of that nature, but why do they keep this and this, you know, this medicine that obviously has been helping a lot of people? You know, it's obviously been helping a lot of people, and and why are they having such a pushback against it? It just seems like they have a lot, a lot. There's a lot of money to be made in these vaccines. Trying to find that. There's a part where they talk that they're on the same board for stuff, but again, I I hate when they put a lot of a lot of minutia into an article. (laughs) I hate when they do that. Okay, yeah, I thought, uh, well, Kelly wants uh, uh, to chime in, and let's go ahead and bring him in. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. Uh, how are you? And uh, do you see we've headquartered uh, to the hour, but go ahead, Kelly. Hey, hey. Uh, good to hear everybody. And, uh, yeah, let's see. found out something funny on the Internet today. Yeah, something funny? Something very funny, yes. Uh, I found out, according to somebody, <laughs> that Jim Carrey is the Messiah. <laughs> oh, God. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> oh, I like Jim Carrey, but uh, I was laughing, and I thought, either this guy is messing with uh, people uh, just to get reactions, or he really believes it. And uh, so I think he's messing with people, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll play um, let's see, if Jim Carrey is the Messiah, who's the who's the Antichrist then? <laughs> um, that that you know. that would be Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff? <laughs> that would be Adam Schiff. <laughs> but it, I was just laughing, I'm like, Oh my gosh. You know, I, the guy's probably just messing with us. So I'm like, Okay, okay. Gee, if this is the case, 
then as an opportunist, I should probably buy a whole bunch of Jim Carrey movies, get his signature, and when the Pope announces that he's the uh, Messiah, I'll make a ton of money. <laughs> anyway, it's just goofy. Um, but, you know, everything you read on the Internet is true uh, because a post from Abraham Lincoln said so. <laughs> anyway, all right. So let's see. Yeah, I, I hope I've encouraged you, even off air, Robert, to keep going with your show. You know, it's always good for people to talk, especially um, your listeners. We're very smart, you know, and we inform each other with all sorts of things, update update each other on all sorts of things. And uh, sometimes I'm hearing breaking things ahead of time before it becomes mainstream. So I think that's really good. Uh, we had a homeless shelter committee meeting last night uh, for a half hour just using – uh, a conference call, and it was just really good to reconnect. Um, and the shelter's closed because we only do from November first to uh, April first. And uh, but yeah, we we uh, had some things to discuss, and just just that connection discussion was really good, even if it was just a half hour. So anyway, um, yeah, it's always good to. And Dr. Tolbert's always got some interesting things. Um, you know, Suzette. Number of people, Joseph there from Hawaii, others that call in. Um, hopefully, I didn't, I'm just mentioning some examples. I'm not trying to leave anybody out, but yeah, it's been. Uh, well, gosh, I've been doing this. I've been doing your, your show. I can't remember when did you start. 2011 for Gingrich. Oh, 2012. And I think yeah. I. Yeah, 2012. 2012. I think I came on shortly after that, and I'm still here. I guess. So, but I've, I've been enjoying it, and um, so, yeah, I just wanted to really show some appreciation because, you know, I'm, I brought guests on, and too, that I see it's a lot of work to line up a guest. Um, a lot of things go on in the background, so, anyway, um, yeah, so, I was really impressed if we go political here. I guess this is political talk. Um Maybe we should talk something political. Oh. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> yeah, and uh, I watched Pence today. I watched the update. Um, I think they're doing daily updates and Trump. Um, you know, if, if 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 you just don't like Trump, you know, you hate Trump. Doesn't matter what he says, what he does. Everything's negative that Trump does. If you're, you know, well, gee, I'm a libertarian, kind of look at things more objectively, but I really like a lot of the things that he's doing, and he's a big time promoting uh, chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine, and so that's really amazing. Uh, states that want him, better than I do. <laughs> yeah. So um, he has really done some amazing things there to. Uh, um, he says the states that want them, yeah, we're sending them bunches. And he said something like a million doses. And I like his style where he he uh, delegates to other officials within the White House um, and our federal government, and they're giving us updates and information. And then he, he leaves by, you know, I'm going to let Pence go ahead and take over. And he leaves. Trump leaves the state. Somebody accused him. Right. Somebody Trump. Somebody accused Trump. This this happened today. Somebody accused Trump just as he walked off stage. 
said, do you have a lot of stock in hydrochloroquine, hydrochloroquine? And he's walking out, and he just turns to no. Um, but that was interesting, that accusation. Um, but, but yeah, then Pence Tech took over. I am so impressed with Pence. Oh, I have been too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, wow, I wasn't so sure about this guy. I don't really know him. You don't really know much about the vice president, except for Biden is, is running for Senate, or so he said on one of his campaign trail town hall thing. Yeah, vote for me for Senate. Whoops. Um, <laughs> and, and so Pence is, is a very calming, very uh, – he's carefully thinking about his words, obviously a lot more polished, a lot more polished uh, than Trump. Um, but he's just, wow. I'm like, Pence, wow. Good good job, Trump, as far as the pick and the delegation. I've had, I've had some doubts about Pence, but he, Pence is really uh, – he's a really good leader. And uh, so there's there's some numbers. Um, the one lady, and she's really sharp too. Um, and the doctor, whatever, but the lady, the lady talked about the number of cases per day, and this was concerning. Um, but it is starting to level off, if you will, as far as um, the rate. You know, the rate could be 3,000 a day, going to 3,500, 4, 8, 10. Right now, the New York area, they call the, the lady called it the metro area with uh, New Jersey and Newark. If you've been to New York, Newark is rather close. Anyway, so it's 11,000 cases per day, New York metro area. L.A. is having 800 cases per day. Philadelphia, 1,400 per day. Baltimore and the D.C. metro area was 500 per day. So I'm like, ooh, 11,000 a day? So obviously it started at 1, 2, 3, 5, 10, go up to 500 cases per day. But apparently the rate, hopefully when they, you know, instead of 11,000 cases a day, they're going to drop down to um, maybe 10,000, 9,000, 8,000, 3,000 cases per day. So there's some hints that it's peaking in the critical hot spots of New York. Um, New York is asking for respirators. Uh, Colorado, one of the senators asked for what do you, what do you call those? You know, the, not the respirators. The uh, <clears throat> sorry, I just woke up from the nap. But um, the breathers. The uh, I'm sorry. Anyway, they asked. They asked a Colorado senator asked for some medical equipment, and Trump worked it out and get it over to Colorado. It's more like, and then somebody accused Trump of favoritism, and the, the lady spoke and said, "Well, look, you know, there's a number of criteria that we go through. Um, you know, they got to ask, and uh, they have to. Uh, it depends on all sorts of factors that we don't just." favoritism towards somebody, but we work with anybody who wants help and we do are allowing the states and the local officials to make their certain decisions on what they do. And so it's just the whole team, the way they've been handling it is I'm, I'm really impressed. Um, so that's, I mean, that's really good. I mean, the obvious now we're going to have uh, Biden as the only major opponent towards 
uh, Trump in the presidential race, well, except for Biden's running for president, for Senate. Um, <laughs> he's had a few other slip ups. Uh, my, my boss, my uh, the, 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 when I was working for uh, the, 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 my boss, obviously he met Obama. Whoops. So that's going to be an interesting twist because there are signs, and anger is another one. Biden has been extremely angry towards uh, mm-hmm. other, just uh, like that one. Yeah, that, that well, not everybody, but the farmer. Oh my I gosh, yeah, that was rude. Geez, so th- those are signs of dementia and or Alzheimer's. Those, those are anger like oh, yeah. that. I mean, politicians know better than do that, but he, he it's anyway. Um, so this is going to be interesting when um, the Democrats take him aside and say, "Joe, dude, um, we gotta, we got to." Uh, we got to have a talk here because maybe you may not want to run. You don't, they certainly don't want to debate Trump. But they asked yeah. Trump today. Yeah, they asked Trump today about Bernie. He said Bernie is the good race. Well, it's not the, not, the, not the case. He's suspended, but he's also keeping the delegates probably to negotiate at the, at the convention. Um, so I'm wondering, gee, he suspended his campaign. Bernie did. So what's that mean? It means he's not campaign anymore, but people can still vote for him because he's probably on on the ballot in many other states. So that'll be interesting. And if Biden, just for health reason, has to bow out, Bernie could be uh, the competitor. And Trump said something that was pretty stunning because he wasn't uh, negative on Bernie Sanders. He says, you know, last time we had a lot of Bernie Sanders vote for us because they like one thing that, that uh, I like too, and that's trading with other nations. And we've been doing a lot of that, and uh, we were doing pretty pretty well with China until this uh, coronavirus. Um, and he said it wasn't quite correct that he's quit. Trump, Trump kind of stood up for Bernie a little bit. I'm like, what? It, 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 it's, it, Trump is, is so unique because he uh, often does things you don't expect, which means he's his own person. Well, and that's what they don't like about him. <laughs> well, they don't want well, to do with him. Well, and they don't know what to do with him. Well, I mean, I, I, no, they don't. And, and I agree with your assessment on Bernie, not Bernie, uh, on Biden, is that, I mean, I, I do. I mean, I'm, I'm not so sure that Bernie's – I'm not going to keep going Bernie. I'm not sure Biden is going to make it to the debates. I think I think he's going to make it to the uh, to the convention, but it would not surprise me at all if they announce someone else to be the, the, the presidential nominee, and then he's going to graciously bail out and retire. I really do, I really do think that, and I think I think they're going to. I I really do. I think they're going to try to get Cuomo in there. I really think they're going to get Cuomo because there's a lot of liberals out there, you know, who are talking smack. And but here's you know here's the thing. Let's get Cuomo out there. Let's say Cuomo runs. They're like, oh my God, you know, he's this governor of New York. You know what? He's going to get, you know, he's going to get New York. Biden's probably going to get New York if, if it doesn't go that way. So uh, I hope they don't think that by him being president, you know, that 
you know, oh boy, they're going to get New York. But I mean, I still think that they'll they'll try to put him up there and say, oh look at his results. He was much, and you know the media is going to kowtow. Oh, he was much better equipped, and he did so much better than Trump did. Uh, and you know, when his in his result, uh, you know, I mean his resolve and then what he was doing with uh, the coronavirus. And you know they're, you know they're going to try to do that. And I played it earlier tonight. And I, you may have missed it. Uh, you may have missed it, Kelly. But I played an audio where. Of course, the Democrats, which it doesn't make sense because they're thinking, oh, well, they can use, you know, Trump and his daily briefings to keep giving us ammunition to turn commercials into for uh, for Biden's campaign. But if you guys really think that if, and you want people to see that, well, you know what it is. Yeah, now, oh, you know what? It just dawned on me. Just dawned on me. Why I didn't think of this earlier. Probably because I didn't have a coffee before the show. No, but anyway, is that. Well, of course, the, of, of course. Ah, the plot thickens. What do you think about this, guys? And we'll bring this over to you, uh, Joseph. Because you, you, you know, you've been on the political scene for a while. Here's what I think: they very well may be trying to use things that Trump has said on the, you know, on his daily briefing, and yet at the same time, not show them. And I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. It's kind of counterintuitive. Actually, it's not. Because if they don't show his daily briefings and then just do what the Democrats do and they take little nits and pieces and put their spin on it to try to make him sound bad, that's what they'll do. Because people, if they don't, you know, their people, their people won't see it, you know, on, on real TV, the people they're trying to, to reach because they're, they're not going to play it. Um, but they're going to just take little snippets and probably try to twist it to, you know, make Trump look bad, of course. Uh, well, what's your thoughts? Actually, I think that's actually their strategy. Stop showing them on, on TV, take little snippets uh, of, you know, of, the, of the, the press conference or whatever, and then try to use that, make a commercial all that, because no one else, at least their people, has seen the, the, the live version, and, and then they could actually just, you know, no one's really going to come back and contest it because I haven't seen it. What do you think on on that, uh, Joseph? Uh, to be quite frank with you, uh, number one, um, me as being a former Democrat and campaigning for uh, uh, Dems, uh, that's an old uh, that's an old uh, strategy that we've used for the longest time. Uh, so that wouldn't be anything new, uh, and despite not being proud of that, but, you know, um, the goal was to get the candidate across the line that I truly believe was the right candidate, though. I did have the right intentions. Sometimes you have to resort and and campaigns to strategies that will give you the outcome that maybe are not the best uh, morally wise, but but you do what you have to do. I tried that with Trump, and it didn't work because, once again, it's going to all come, it always comes down to the independent. And the independents are the ones that are not swayed by snippets. They are by far the most informed voting bloc, even though they make the 20% crucial voting bloc that will either give the presidency to the Republican or to the Democrat, uh, Democratic nominee. And so that voting bloc does not go based on the news and, 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 you know, like the great Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify. So, they're not going to buy into the snippets. Um, however, why I think this situation is completely different, um, before I even get to that, let me get to the Cuomo segment. So 
first of all, what backfired about Bloomberg when he ran, right? Um, one of the biggest things that uh, politicians forget, especially when you're running for the highest office in the country, is everything comes out about you. Every single skeleton in your closet, including what you did in the third grade, comes out. They're called Apple researchers, and presidential campaigns spend millions of dollars to hire the best, giving them the best resources and tools to dig up every nook and cranny. So when Bloomberg was running for office uh, for his first term as mayor, you're not scrutinized at that level. And not all that money is being spent because you're running for mayor. So when he ran for president, his consultants, which he wasted a lot of money on his consultants who, geez, a nine-year-old mm-hmm. is better as a consultant, they did not go over the pros and cons of uh, Mr. Bloomberg as your consultant, like as if I were your lawyer. If you want me to get you off the hook, I need to know everything. I am the one person... You need to trust to tell me every nook and cranny that was in your closet. He didn't do that, and Elizabeth Warren, instead of promoting her own campaign, focused on Bloomberg. But in the end, his words, his records, his skeletons in his closet that nobody knew about while he was mayor for three terms came out. And the same thing is going to happen with Cuomo. Cuomo has been on the record for many years in stating that New York is not a place where conservatives are welcome. Independents don't like that. Independents don't like people who make those statements because remember, independents will sway, you know, conservative or liberal depending on the election cycle. That's why they're independents to begin with. So not only that, on top of Cuomo not taking action back in January when the CDC and President Trump's administration warned Governor Cuomo, warned all the governors of the 50 states, warned Mayor de Blasio that this was this could become into this could become a, a pandemic if not contained, did the opposite. Cuomo sat and said nothing and let de Blasio do all the talking. And de Blasio said, let New Yorkers be New Yorkers. You know, this corona thing isn't real, and even if it was, we're New York. We're the most resilient people on the planet. We'd be prepared to handle something of that magnitude. So if they were to put Cuomo on there, they would be giving a gift to Donald Trump because he, he, he will last as long as Bloomberg did. Because I guarantee you, in the first debate, Trump will annihilate Cuomo with those words and say, I am running for the American people. I'm not running for the conservatives or the liberals. I am a representative of the American people. And this, is, I, I don't, this should be about welcoming Americans, what's best for Americans. He's a populist. That's what made him famous. Mm-hmm. That's that's why the people came out and, and, and voted for him, the people that were not factored into the polls. And so, first of all, he killed Cuomo with his own words. Cuomo's been on the record of stating he has no intentions of running. So if he goes back on that, that'll backfire on him. Uh, and so in the end of the day, no, I don't foresee Cuomo whatsoever. 
because Cuomo has too many skeletons in his closet as making too too many um, discriminate political dis- uh, bias and discriminatory uh, comments that that would upset almost anyone. Um, I mean, how can you say something like that and say this state is not? We don't welcome conservatives here. They should go someplace else. And and New York wants to know yeah. why they ranked it last in, in in being the most unfriendly business environment. So putting Cuomo, no. If they're going to put someone else, it's definitely not going to be Cuomo. Um, I, I really don't think it will be because they also have to realize that they'd be giving Trump a gift. They'd be giving him another Bloomberg. First of all, the guy doesn't even know how to crack a smile. Same thing about Bloomberg, right? You know, he didn't know even how to crack a joke. You know, when you're running for office, you have to have a pleasant demeanor. You have to be down to earth to connect to people. Cuomo doesn't do that. Every time he's up in the, in the camera... He has a stone-cold face, just like Bloomberg did. That's not appealing to independents or disaffected Democrats. They want someone that they can relate to. So, you know, they want someone that can smile. They want someone that's going to play that role very well. Um, Like him or hate him, Bill Clinton played that role very well when he ran for president in 93. Uh, So did Vice President Al Gore. Now, I want to bring up something interesting, Robert, that you brought up at the beginning of the show. Why Mm -hmm. has Barack Obama been silent, right? Mm -hmm. Here's my theory. Here's my hunch. First of all, everything that Barack Obama accomplished in eight years was completely wiped away by Donald Trump. So uh, it's not like Bill Clinton, where when Bill Clinton left the presidency, he had the highest approval ratings of any other president since post-World War II. He was the most popular Democrat on the planet. People loved him. As a matter of fact, Al Gore, certain Democrats didn't go to vote for Al Gore because, you see, after the Monica Lewinsky scandal, it was Al Gore that actually threw the reverse, Bill Clinton under the bus. That's why he decided to move his central campaign headquarters to Tennessee uh, because he thought that if he would bring himself closer to Bill Clinton, then he would be guilt by association. However, that backfired because Democrat loyalists didn't give a darn. And um, I forget which state he could have won if it, and it wouldn't have came down to Florida, but a lot of Democrats didn't show up. So it's kind of the reverse, where Obama has thrown Biden under the bus. It was Al Gore who, uh, you know, tried to distance himself from Bill Clinton and get away from the whole Monica Lewinsky thing. Um, Because I remember one of George W. Bush's slogans was bring dignity back to the White House. And think about it this way. Despite all of that, despite all of that, Al Gore almost pulled it off. So obviously people, you know, felt comfortable in his leadership role. He was, give him credit, he was an effective vice president. He wasn't wasn't some... uh, um, ignoramus like uh, you know Joe Biden was. Uh, let's face it, for eight years Joe Biden basically was just there as a, a puppet and as the messenger for Obama. He was not a proactive vice president at all. Al Gore was, and that's why he was very popular, popular amongst the Black Caucus, and that's why he almost walked away with the um, uh, 2000 election. Um, however, I always speculate 
until in and until this very same day, Robert, had Al Gore won, the Democratic Party would have never left being centrist. They would have never went to the ultra right. It would have never paved the way for George W. Bush or Barack Obama. I'm confident that the party would have remained as blue dog Democrats. You wouldn't have any of this socialist, communist nonsense, or it would have, would have not even been able to pave the way for a Bernie Sanders revolution or AOC. I think it would have been best if Al Gore won for the sake of the country, because you've got to remember that the party of Bill Clinton, they were not sycophants. They were not, uh, they, they were not ideologues. They were ideologues, but they, they were more pragmatic. And they were not willing to put the American people at risk at that expense. And they had eight years of success. They had a, a booming economy. They, 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 were on a, they were on a high roll. And I think the party would have just stayed there because there would have been no reason for the party to change because the party being so successful, you know, the Democrats, whenever they've had a successful administration, they always stuck to the blueprint. And uh, I'll defer back to you, but uh, I, I always want that. If Al Gore would have won, a lot of things that George W. Bush would have been avoided, would have never paved the way for George W. Bush, would have never paved the way for um, Barack Obama, and who knows what have never paved the way for Donald Trump. I guess we'll never know, but um, it doesn't matter who they put up there at that convention. Make no mistake. Running on that platform They don't stand a chance And I'll leave you with one more thing This is Donald Trump's 9-11 moment In the regard that George W. Bush Had one of the highest approval ratings Of how he first handled 9-11 Which allowed him to win election Barely But then his demise Happened in his second term Because he started Mm -hmm. focusing the Iraq war so right now this is Trump's 9-11 moment he's doing everything right but Dr. Tolbert brings up a brilliant the, 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 the birdies in his ears the, 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 the donors that are contributing to his re-election is he really listening to them or is he listening too much to them so you know that that's that's another problem, because if that's going to be the case, then one of the most successful presidents is demise, just like George W. Bush in his first four years, he had an eighty-one percent uh, approval rating, one of the highest. He could wind up to be another George W. Bush if he cannot stand up and say, "This is where I need to draw the line." I am the president, and Dr. Fauci or whoever else is in his circle, I hear you, but I don't agree with you, and I got to start making decisions on my own. And I can't just rely on my advisors because that's what a typical politician would do, and I'm not a typical politician. And only time will tell that Donald Trump will really follow through. And if he doesn't, mark my words, he'll still get reelected, but his legacy in his next four years will be one of failure if he chooses not to uh, learn from the mistakes of George W. Bush. So I'll defer to you. Once again, for everyone who's listening, this is his 9-11 moment. But this time, he has a blueprint. George W. Bush, in all fairness, 
didn't have a precedent to follow. Donald Trump does. So if he messes this up, he has to own it like Barack Obama did. Well, technically, Trump made him own it, and, and that's why Barack Obama, in my opinion, is not coming out. He's not coming huh. out because the, he has gone farther to the left than he ever imagined. He can't tell mm-hmm. uh, a successful predecessor. Everything that he did to harm this country in eight years basically was rescinded by executive order. He laughed months before the general election saying there was no way Donald Trump would win. So, yeah, he can't show his face. Jeez, if I were in his shoes, I wouldn't want to show my face in public. Because <laughs> uh, Bill Clinton could show his face because when he left office, he was the most popular Democrat on the planet. People loved him. That's when the Clintons started making money. That's when they started raking in money from the Clinton Foundation. Um, you know, so when people ask, why were the Clintons not uh, – why, why, why when the Clintons were in office basically didn't have a dime or a pot to piss in, how did they become so rich after they left office? Yeah. Well, well there you go. Yep. Huh. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, go ahead, Kelly. I got some, some things I want to add to that too, but go ahead, Kelly. Um, well, yeah, Joseph has a number of good points there. That's interesting. That's what I like about all the different perspectives on the show. Um, yeah, you know, Al Gore, we got to give him credit. He was uh, vice president. He also invented the Internet. He also, uh, <laughs> what else did he do? Midnight uh, basketball where he did some slam dunks, you know. <clears throat> and uh, and he also uh, did that movie, Unintended Idiocy, I'm sorry, unintended consequences to which in 10 years he's going to look pretty uh, goofy when his predictions don't come through. But at least he was VP. And uh, um, interesting perspective on why Clinton won't come out or uh, Obama won't come out. Um, yeah. But the uh, – um, oh, gosh, what was I going to say? Um, Cuomo, all right? Cuomo, I've watched several of his uh, news news conferences about Corona, and yeah, he kind of a little too late there, but uh, now he's really jumping on it. I got to give him credit for that, really. And he is a strong leader, and it appears that Trump and Cuomo are getting along, and others are getting along, and the media does throw out little. Snippets, they won't air. That's why I go online. You can watch it live. You can watch the press conferences daily live, hear the whole thing. And I'm like, wow, you watch the whole – if you're objective like an independent, like Joseph was talking about, if you're an independent and you go online to watch or you can watch the YouTube videos later of the full press conference by Trump, if you're an independent and you're objective, you're like, wow, they're, they're really on this as a team. And he pointed Pence because Pence had some similar experience. Okay. So I think that's really um, – that's going to sway an awful lot. I mean, Trump's going to – it's kind of obvious Trump's going to win. Um, and again, I'm a libertarian, but, you know, you just – there you go. But with Cuomo, it's an interesting scenario, and I guess maybe Dr. Tolbert might know this, so we should research this. Um because it's looking like Biden's health is, is failing. And uh, so he picks a VP candidate. Okay. Does he pick Cuomo for a VP candidate? Well, that might be a way to get 
Cohen. But I think there are election laws that there's a deadline when you have to run for president. Remember I mentioned many months ago that Clinton, Hillary will not be in this race because she needs California. She hasn't registered with the Secretary of State to run for president. Now, is that just the primary or is that for the general election? I don't know. Is there a deadline to run for president that covers both primary and general? Or can you jump in and register state to state to state uh, as in presently right now? It's, you know, April. I don't know. But if you don't register, you can't win. <laughs> so that would be an interesting study to find out because the state laws of registration for presidency, the, the deadline date may have been passed. I don't know. The Democrats do have in their bylaws that if they their presidential candidate that wins the Democrat convention in coming up in July in Michigan, if uh, somebody wins, let's say Biden wins, but all of a sudden he has to be replaced, well, then the Democrats can replace their candidate, and they have to. It just makes sense. But the list – There's actually a clause from, that they can do that. There is a clause in the convention that states that that can happen. That is plausible, uh, sad as well, it may seem. Uh, so yeah. basically the superdelegates, right? Uh, let's say they get to a brokered convention and let's say Biden's the nominee and let's say they don't they don't want him to step aside or they do. Let's say he doesn't come out with a plurality a plurality they do it right, plurality of uh, superdelegates. They then have a rule that states that they could put the motion for to insert another person on the ballot and they they, they have every delegate do a whole second vote again. And whatever name they cast, and if they all unanimously agree to that candidate, then there is a loophole where that candidate is on the ballot in all 50 states. And that is the loophole that the Democrats have had for a long, Kelly. But, yeah, that, that is. Well, well, the Republicans probably have this, too, and you have to because, you know, there's going to be a car accident, whatever happens that your presidential nominee um, – all of a sudden is ineligible or can't run or got killed in a car accident or what have you, okay? So I would guess both, but there's actually, well, at the convention, but even after the convention, so at the convention they're going to have their first round, you need, I think it's 1991 delegates to win. If not, it goes into the second round, where the second round, the superdelegates, their votes um, are increased in value and the regular delegates are weakened. So that's just the way the Democrats run their party. Fine. Okay, so now they pick – after the convention, there's going to be one person standing after the convention. But after the convention, between the convention and the general election, there's a clause where, let's say Biden has a car accident, then they have to replace him. Now, my question is – and because there's state laws on who can legitimately run for, for president – um, even if you're a write-in, by the way, if you're a write-in, you have to register with the state, and you have to, like with Ron Paul, we were trying to get him to write in, and he needed enough delegates for the Electoral College. And uh, quickly throughout California, boom, they had enough people 
uh, signed as uh, electoral college delegates. I actually even signed up for that back in tw in uh, 12. Uh, I was just too late. Um, a buddy beat me. He was the last delegate. It was kind of cute. I called, hey, you know, Rich should be a delegate for Ron Paul. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we both went to the to our local county election clerk, got signed in. He beat me, and he was the last delegate. But it was kind of cute. But that's for write-in. You have to have enough delegates, and you have to be willing, and you have to sign forms. I, I just don't know how it works. But so if Biden bows out, then is there a menu of legitimate state-authorized candidates, which would obviously be, you know, there's, there's Bernie Sanders, there's um, Klobuchar, there's a whole list of, of Democrat candidates that they could pick from. Well, then they'd have a real difficult time because, oh, shoot, we were going to go for Biden. Now we got to go, this is, you know, Buttigieg. Oh, shoot, now we got to put Buttigieg up there and get behind him. But it's the Central Committee that um, has to pick from a menu of eligible candidates. So it's going to be interesting because I, I just don't see – I just don't see Biden being physically able to do this. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna see a very interesting from July till November. Uh, we're gonna see a very interesting uh, game show. <laughs> That's sometimes I wonder what politics is. Matter of fact, Kelly, the Democrats are so afraid that they're actually talking about not hosting the convention due to COVID nineteen. That's how much they're panicking because they realize even the constituents, the voters who voted for him Super Tuesday, they're realizing that he's sick and that he can't remember his left from his right. And the more he speaks, the more he digs his hole, the more he digs his, his own trench. And so now that they've been talking actually about this since last week, and I forgot to bring it up on the show, that they're saying that we may for the first time in our um, party's history have to cancel the convention due to COVID-19, and I'm like, and Donald Trump and his committee is saying we're not canceling ours, so that's how much they're panicking because they've never been in a situation before in over 200 years of history. They've never had to go to a second count at a broker convention, so we're in uncharted waters here. They've never had to uh, insert another person's name in the ballot. Uh, they never had a nominee that had to concede to the help reasons. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're in charted waters in that regardless. Uh, they could put Jesus Christ on the ballot. They, they still don't stand a chance. The outcome is going to be the same. Interesting. Um, yeah, so it, it's, it's some things to, uh, and I'll, probably, I'll try to dig that up and find out. Um, if they can run a candidate, it would have to probably. Well, there's always the the write-in backup, but that's that all depends state by state also. So I mean, that'd be quite a bit of research. But I suppose the eligibility from state to state would have to be researched and confirmed. So then you might have a you know Elizabeth Warren that could run her because she already you know she registered even though she can you know bowed out of the race. So Bloomberg, you know, I mean, they get a whole bunch of picks that are already registered. I just don't, I, you know, maybe Dr. Tolbert would know. I don't know if he's still listening or not. What's your uh, thoughts, he, Dr. He has Tol to go for the evening. 
He had to go for the evening. Oh, he had to, oh okay. Did Suzette come on tonight? Um, I've seen some in chat, but no, I haven't seen her call in. Oh, oh no, she was actually driving. Yeah, she was actually uh, sent me a tweet, and she said she was. Oh yeah, that's why I wanted to confirm with you earlier, but you weren't here. She sent me a tweet and said that they're actually she's driving. She's like, um, she stated. Uh, let me see if I can find that tweet again, so it could be I could be accurate. Because she said not a tweet. I'm so I've been on Twitter all, all day, but not all day. But um, a lot tonight. And so, yeah, she sent me a text, and she said, I'm on the open road and tempting fate. They are arresting people who do not wear masks in public. Wish me luck. Have you said more on that, too? What? Wow. <clears throat> well, let me yeah, – uh, <clears throat> And I remember and, – and, and Kelly, earlier in the show, I remember, Robert, you were saying that they were doing um, – uh, Kelly, you said that or someone was doing that in California as well? She's from California, right? Yeah, right. she's in San Bernardino County. She's in San Bernardino County, which is the southern. Uh, I think right. there's one county. Anyway, but Kelly, she, didn't, that, didn't the governor make that threat of California too? Didn't he also state that Robert? I think at the beginning of the show, you were stating that some people in California were arrested for not wearing their masks. Well, that's what she well, said. She said that people are being arrested for that. No, but you well, were saying that at the beginning of the show. I, I was wondering where you got that from, Robert. I, I think it's I, right. That was from that. She, yeah, she yeah she sent oh, me a, okay. yeah she sent me a text. Yeah, that that's what it was. She sent me a text. And and that and that's what I was that that's what I'm worried about at the end of the day. And that's and that that's what I was telling Dr. Tolberg um, is that these governors are making these crazy rules that don't make any sense that are only harming people even more. And they're already, it's not even April 30th, and tell me what you think about this, Kelly. And they already want to push this thing all the way to June, July, and it's like, uh, it's clear they're on an ideological mission here. They don't care about their own own people. No. And let me get an article that I had tonight that I want to get to. I'm glad you brought this up. This kind of brings me... um, an article I want to read, and then this is from the Bard's Logic Newsroom on the website, www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. It says, and you'll like to hear, well, we'll all like to hear this, but uh, it says, Sheriff rebels against governor. We will not be setting up a police state. Uh, this was April 5th, so about four days ago. It says, the, coronas, uh, the coronavirus cannot kill the spirit of, of American defiance in the face of government orders Americans believe to be unjust, as shown by Scott Nichols, the sheriff. I need to get this guy on the show. Um, I'm going to write this guy's name, name down. Because I have a pen every day, and now I can't follow it. Um, Anyway, I'll get to, get to that in a minute. It says, uh, shared by Scott Nichols, the sheriff of Franklin County, Maine. Democrat Governor hmm, – go figure. De- Democratic Governor Janet Mills on Friday issued an executive order that requires all out-of-state travelers to self-quarantine for 14 days to lessen the chance of transmitting coronavirus, according to the Portland Press-Herald. The order, the order also tells would-be visitors not to come to Maine if they have symptoms of the virus. Violators could face up to six months in jail and a $1,000 fine. 
uh, quote, it says, while I cannot simply close the state borders or pull up the main New Hampshire bridge, as a few people have suggested, I will insist that persons entering our state or returning to Maine from elsewhere, somewhere else, that they self-quarantine for 14 days, Mill said, according to the Press Herald. For those who come to Maine, however, my message is this. My message is clear. You cannot escape the virus by coming here. Well, which I get that, but let's see. But it says, like other governors who closed businesses, Mills shut down hotels, motels, and other lodging operations in the state, including RV parks and campgrounds. It says Steve um, McLaughlin, spokesman for, spokesman for the Maine Department of Public Safety, said police will investigate reports of blatant violations. To Nichols, a Republican, the travel ban smacked of the kind of government Americans fight against and not obey, and he posted his manifesto on the, on the Franklin County Sheriff's Office. That's on a Franklin page. He says, we will, we will not be setting up a police state, period, he wrote. The Sheriff's Office will not purposely go out and stop vehicles because they are on the road or stop and ask why people are out and about. And you've heard me say this. A couple of weeks ago, last week, to do so puts our officers at risk. This is not Nazi Germany or Soviet Russia, where you are asked for your papers, he wrote. Good for him. It said, Nichols says the sheriff's office will ensure that common sense social distancing rules will be enforced. What we, need, uh, what we will take action on, if needed, are those rare situations where there are a lot of people overtly, overtly hanging out in public obviously in defiance of the governor's order. Even in that case, we will first try to educate and try to disperse the group. We will avoid arrests unless absolutely necessary, he said. Uh, Nichols then issued a plea for everyone to work together. Please use common sense during this executive order. We are more interested in the safety and well-being of the public as well as our officers at this time, he wrote. But that being said, we are sworn to uphold the Constitution and laws of the state. For any unlawful act situation, arrestee will be taken into custody and transported for fingerprinting and bail. The sheriff said that obey um, the sheriff said that obey restrictions is the best way to be rid of them. The best way to quote the best way to approach the coming days is to treat everyone as though they have the virus. Follow strict CDC guidelines and recommendations. Use masks if needed. Wash your hands. Blah 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 blah. It says um, the, no lo- the, the longer we do not follow these guidelines The longer we wait in isolation He said In a time of tension He noted A little kindness goes a long way Blah 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 But then I just Go into the, what I think Is the important stuff To be honest It says Nichols signed his post uh, Of the people For the people And he got plenty of tension In an article on PJ Media Writer Megan Fox uh, Commented uh, Commended Nichols uh, the sheriffs, it says, the sheriffs of America have great power and authority where unconstitutional executive overreach is concerned. All of the sheriffs of our nation should start conferencing with Sheriff Nichols immediately to learn more about the limits of their offices, he said. Frankly, I'm surprised it took this long for one to come forward with this common sense response to unlawful acts by state officials. Perhaps a good exercise for people stuck on lockdown would be to call their local sheriff's office and find out where the local sheriff stands on this very important issue of people's rights, she wrote. And so, you know, we've had a number of uh, sheriffs on the show, um, and you know, I know, as you said, uh, Kelly, on many occasions, 
you know, they're they're kind of our last bastion of being able to make sure our constitutional rights are not uh, overtly infringed upon. Yeah, it's called the Posse Comitatus Act of 1878. The sheriff is a supreme law enforcement officer of the county. And uh, so they can choose to disregard disregard um, any governor or federal executive orders for the liberty of a free people. We also have trial by jury. We have some other things that are, you know, Jefferson said of trial by jury. I consider trial by jury as the only anchor ever yet imagined by man by which a government can be held to the principles of its constitution. That was in a letter to Thomas Paine. Um, so, yeah, the sheriff is a very powerful, um, amazing – you know, I've heard sheriffs uh, – Sheriff Heard from Tehama County, a bunch of uh, federal fishing game officers came out. They were putting a fence on a rancher's property. Um, fencing off his property for a so-called protection of a riparian area. Rancher called up the far, uh, sheriff. Sheriff Heard got out there, and he says to the feds, he says, what are you doing? Oh, we're putting up the fence here. Judicial order. And he looks at the order, throws it on the ground, and says, all right, I'm going to give you 30 minutes to get out of my county, or I'm going to arrest you. Ha, ah, ha, ha, you're just the sheriff. You call your boss. You call your boss. You have 30 minutes to get out of the county. I'm starting right now. They call their boss. I'm like, oh, crap. So they got in their truck, and they split. And there's all this, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of fencing material on the ground. The rancher turns to Rob Hurd and says, uh, what do I do with all this fence? And Rob Hurd said to keep it. IRS showed up, same thing, got a call. He went up to the agent and said, you know, get out of here. And the guy called up Superior and he left. So we had a situation here where NOAA, um, people from the coast came over to Hassel, uh, the Jenners here in Siskiyou County, and they showed up with guns without a warrant to go on the people's property. They said, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're with NOAA. We heard about a potential fish take from your cattle getting in the stream and killing a fish. What? Where's your warrant? Oh, we don't need one. So the sheriff here, Sheriff Lopey, good guy, he's been on the show once or twice, um, he dealt with it. Pretty, he called up and said, what are you guys doing? We're not on the coast. What are you doing? And the, the locals here were very upset. So he had a huge town hall meeting at the fairgrounds. And he explained what he did as he got on the phone. He said, you guys don't want to do that here. And you need a warrant. You need to come through me. In fact, it's it's standard protocol that any federal or state agents that are wanting to do something like this as in trespass without a warrant, they really need to check in with the sheriff first. That's the power of the Posse Comitatus Act. You just can't come into a county and check in with the sheriff. Because the sheriffs, if they have kahunas, they'll, they'll go confront them. Dude, what are you doing? You didn't check in with my office. Get out of here. So that is a very good thing. And by the way, I want to, about this mask, um, now, Suzette post, uh, sent you a Twitter that someone in California arrested for not wearing a mask. Um, I would believe, Suzette, because she really does her research. I did watch a video of somebody surfing down in, uh, I think, San Diego. 
and he's out by a pier. Um, and I watched this YouTube video. Somebody was filming the whole thing, and here comes uh, David Hasselhoff in a in a police boat, and they cornered this guy and they basically got him out of the water. I'm joking with the days, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. David Hasselhoff, you know. All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, I watched the video. Like, oh my gosh, they're they're actually telling this guy get the heck out of the water and stop surfing. Buddy, a lady friend in Santa Cruz, she noted there's nobody surfing. And um, so anyway, so when you start to see arrests for not wearing a mask, well, wait a minute, the Surgeon General Adams is amazing. He's an amazing human being. He. Adams was a very intelligent, very sharp, and explaining this is, I don't know, I'd say a month ago, one of these press conferences, that the mask can actually cause problems because, I mean, yes, it will protect you to some degree. Um, he said that when you're wearing a mask and you're adjusting, readjusting, adjusting, your fingers are bringing the, the viruses to your, to your mask as you keep readjusting throughout the day. I could actually increase the exposure. Now, I just sent you, Robert, and I want to go through this chart, okay? Uh-huh. I just sent you... Now, mind, some, now, now some, mind you, we only got about 15 minutes left before I have to shut things up again. Okay, well, this mask debate, does it help, does it not? Well, here we have a graph, okay? Here's the article, and the website is masksavelives.org. Um and so it's titled Universal Mask Wearing is the Most Overlooked COVID-19 Lifesaver. And they have a graph here. I'll get to the graph. But Western countries are experiencing higher rates of COVID-19 infections compared to Asian countries because of the West's aversion to wearing masks. We need universal mask wearing to aid in lowering COVID-19 virality. So here's this graph. I'm going to describe the graph. And... Uh, Robert, I, I, I sent it to you so you can probably put it up on your website. And I put it up on my Facebook page too. But all right, so we have um, a graph, and there's two groups. Um, the upward trend of COVID cases in uh, is is without masks, it spikes up quite a bit. The no masks is is very uh, a very low line. So the obvious from the graphs, somebody did these studies. Um, wearing a mask is very effective in the studies. All right, so here they go through specific countries. Italy, 15,887 deaths. That makes 263 deaths per million. It's a low mask wearing culture. Taiwan, five deaths, 0.2 deaths per million people. High wearing mask culture. Spain, 12,418 deaths, or 266 deaths per 1 million people. It's a a low-mask-wearing culture. Japan, only 77 deaths, or 0.6 deaths per million people. That's a high-mask-wearing culture. USA, 9,325 deaths, or 28 deaths per 1 million population. And that's a low-mask-wearing culture. We have other advantages of incredible sanitation and your water treatment, you get really clean water with a little bit of chlorine in it. When you go to the tap, you have sewage. Um, we have 
showers every day. We have public education, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. So that's lower even though we're a low mask wearing culture. South Korea, 123 deaths or four deaths per million people. And it's a high mask wearing culture. So I'm like, wow, this is really stunning. And uh, they have some contrast from U.S. Surgeon General Adams, good guy, I like him, but he might not have this information. And it's, you know, in a situation like this, it's hard to have, it takes time for information. And I'm kind of covering for Adams, but it takes time to, to gather this information. And some person probably did the study and put it together. Uh, the World Health Organization, um, if you do not have any respiratory systems such as fever, cough, or runny nose, you do not need to wear a medical mask. When used alone, mask can give you a, a false feeling of protection and can even be a source of infection when not used correctly. So the World Health Organization just kind of got slammed by this research somebody put together. Again, masksavelives.org. So, Robert, I don't know, I would ask if you could put this on your uh, Facebook page. Anyway, so, yeah, this is like, wow. Um, our beloved governor, Gavin Newsom, has ordered, um, was it a million? A million masks, something like that. But they're, they're really Newsom. And, by the way, California really did pretty good as far as getting on this and having a lockdown. And our bell curve is very, very low. Um, New York looks like it's reaching its peak, but in a, a bad way. But that little bell curve gets lowered when, you know, California got on it right away. So I have to compliment Newsom for that. Um, but, yeah, he's ordering a bunch of masks, so he's figured it out. Um, so I've, I bought early. I bought, like, eight of them at the hardware store. I had a buddy who was uh, buying these like crazy so he could mark them up for sell them for 20 30 bucks a pop you can buy them for two sometimes four bucks a pop but i thought you know i'm just going to get some before there's a run on masks and just uh i gave my neighbor one he's elderly I actually gave him two but you know they're paper thin they're typically used like if you're spraying paint um other things you're doing um but but yeah i've i, I just got a few i haven't used them and i was glad to give them to my neighbor but uh yeah, so I, I'm I am now. There was a controversy, or the British would say, hey, there's uh, quite a bit of controversy. All right, so there's controversy over. Um, no wonder why we left their country and had our own independence. All right, controversy. Anyway, all right. So, um, but yeah, we we have uh, some really definitive mask like a look like a really good thing. I mean, I, I think I'd rather look like an real, idiot. Real, real quick, Kelly. You, yeah, you text you text me that uh, link if you want to send it to me as a message on Facebook. I can get it on my you know on my Twitter and Facebook. Um, that probably be the quickest way of doing that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll start. Go ahead. By a, yeah, we go ahead. Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'd I'd rather look foolish for a few, for a few days, um, you know, or even a, a few weeks wearing these masks, and they're quite disposable. Um, so I, that's why I got eight. Um, and they do, Adams was, was absolutely correct on this. He says, you know, one of the reasons why hospitals need masks is because if you have an infected patient, we, we do put the masks on the person so the contamination stays within their own body. 
and, and doesn't get spewed into the air like if they cough accidentally. And so the medical profession needs needs protection. So he had some Adams had some really good points, but his discouragement of maps ma- of masks may have been premature and not enough information, but I guess now we know. Um and good luck by the way trying to find him. I mean you can go to the hardware store, you can go to oh like a Rite Aid or a pharmacy. But my gut feeling is that they're gonna be gone. Um so anyway, that's just I, I should yield back to you before I before I commit to eight deadly sin, which is hogging the microphone. <laughs> uh, don't worry, Kelly. Uh, yeah, just get that uh, posted on my Facebook thing. You get in my uh, my, my Twitter and Skype. Yeah, I do see we got about uh, uh, ten minutes or so before I have to uh, uh, close things out. Uh, so I'm gonna see if there's anything that I um, try to wrap up on uh, before. Uh, before that, um, let's see. I think there was one more thing I wanted to make sure I got to. It's just one more article. Um, see if I can find it here. Again, I'm getting uh, multitasking here. Where's it at? Um, I apologize. But anyway, but while I'm looking for that real quick, uh, Joseph, did you want to make uh, any additions or comments to what Kelly uh, had to say? One thing I wanted. To, oh, did you say? Um, well, Trump Trump put the kibosh on vote by mail. He said it's it's, it's the potential for corruption is terrible, and so that was press conference. Yeah, they're still pressing it though. The Democrats still want their vote by mail. I honestly think that this is an egregious overreach of power. And these governors, like Governor Nunson, is not helping the situation. A lot of uh, doctors and analysts have come out and said that suicide rates are at an all-time high due to COVID-19. People are stressing. People are losing everything um, or have already lost everything or in the process of losing everything they've ever worked for, they've ever uh, established, mm-hmm. they've ever built. And then to create more fear, that's unnecessary, and to create policies that are just so stringent, and it's not going to help the situation. Now people have to worry about don't have access to a mask, well, now I may not go grocery shopping because I don't want to get arrested. So make no mistake, when this is all said and done, governors like the one of California, um, like the like Cuomo, they will stand on the wrong side of history. They just don't know it yet. And what they are doing is egregious because they're creating more harm than good upon the people that they claim, that they claim they're trying to do what's in their best interest. No, they're not. No, they're not, because that's insane. To fault the person for not wearing a mask, you're going to arrest them? Okay, well, then what was the argument in California and in New York that said, we've got to release all these inmates because they're going to get COVID-19? <laughs> yeah. We're putting them in jeopardy. Okay, well, aren't you kind of contradicting that by now arresting people and putting more people in jail for not wearing their masks? Does that make any sense? So 
in a nutshell, and I won't take much time, this will be my closing comments, think about it from a logical standpoint. What these liberal governors and politicians are doing does not make any logical sense whatsoever. A nine-year-old can see it from a mile away. It makes no sense. And they claim they're fighting in the name of COVID-19, but yet when you connect the dots, one plus one is not equaling two. It It makes no sense. It's very clear to the American people who are not supporting the Democratic Party that they are not acting in the best interest of not only their constituents, but of the American people. The difference was 9-11 united us more than ever. And we were united. And we didn't have this vitriol. And it didn't matter if you had a D or R next to you. And that's how we were able to overcome and be resilient in, in such a, 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 a national crisis that is far more detrimental than 9-11 because 9-11 didn't shut down our economy. This pandemic right. did. So, and, 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 and yet we're more divided than ever because we have one political party that is doing everything to make this divisive. And once again, it will come back to bite them. It will come back to hurt them. And in the end, if they continue down this road, not only will Donald Trump have to intervene, like Dr. Tolbert said, there is an amendment or a clause of something about after 9-11 that was implemented that will allow him to do so. Trump will have no choice but to say to governors like Governor Newsom that I can't allow this to happen. You're harming the American people with policies like this. And on top of that, you want to reopen the economy in July? No, not having it. I'm not having governors of certain states try to sink this economy. And in that regard, I have peace of mind because I know Trump will make the right move if he needs to. My only fear, and this is my last statement, and until the next show, and it's always a pleasure, is how Certainly far will too. the fight take us? And by the time Trump is able to reverse course and action, is it too late? Have you already slipped into a depression or or uh, have you slipped in the recession or a depression? Because at the end of the day, these governors are going to put up the fight of their lives because they're ideologues. This is all politically motivated. Because notice the actions of the governors of the red states. They're polar opposites. They're not doing this. Yeah, I'm in Ohio. They're not, well, let me tell you this. not polarizing. Go ahead. And, that, and those are my closing comments. And so maybe we could talk about that next week. Maybe we can compare the governor's um, issues or the governor, well, the, the difference between how the governors have reacted to this crisis in the red states and the blue states. And that may be an interesting topic for next week. And if you, if you notice the pattern, they're polar opposite. The governors of the red well, states are not being so stringent. And, that, and I defer to you, and those are my closing comments. Thank you, Robert. No, I appreciate it. I just wanted to get this out real quick because, yeah, I do got only a couple minutes, and I want to give uh, Kelly some closing comments, is that, yeah, I mean, I'm in a red state, at least currently a red state. It's a swing state. I'm in the state of Ohio. Uh, and, you know, it was blue, of course, Obama, but you know, right now I guess it's considered a red state because I voted for Trump. Uh, I think there's a good shot it will be a Trump state again. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I – I drive. I mean, I don't see much difference. Uh, and now I'm fortunate enough, and my family's fortunate enough, 
and I and I'm, I feel fortunate, you know, that you know, and I feel bad for folks who aren't um, as fortunate as we are. With we all have what would be considered, you know, essential positions. I'm in the financial industry, and then, uh, you know, my wife and daughter, my daughter there, and um, the food business. Uh, one works at a grocery store, and the other works at a restaurant, so those are considered essential. Uh, but for those who are, I mean, I definitely feel feel bad about that. So I know it is hurting a lot of people out there. Um, but as to like traffic, I mean, one thing that kind of bothers me is, you know, you see these tra- L.A. blue state, New York blue state. Uh, you see with these pictures of all these empty, and you might even be seeing this in Hawaii. Uh, that's uncommon for you. And I think you even reported it from Ohio, at least not where I'm at. Um, it's not a ghost town. I don't. I mean, I see less traffic, especially on the highways. I see less traffic, but to consider things as a ghost town, no, it's not much. It's not much different. I mean, now today was kind of a weird experience for me. And I'm bringing over you for a couple minutes, Kelly, for closing thoughts. Because when I did go pick up a grill today, I bought a grill. Um, and so when I picked it up, I had to actually stay in like line because they're only allowing a certain amount of people inside the, the hardware store where I bought the grill. Um, but you know, I mean, that that was weird. That was different, and I, I didn't like it. Not, and it was weird seeing people walk into the stores. Some were wearing masks. Some weren't. It's not mandatory. They're not making us. They're not threatening, at least right now, to arrest us. I think there was somebody who they arrested for something. Now, and I'll leave, leave this last comment, and this is something that I, I read on Twitter about a week ago, and it just can't stand. And hopefully this got out there because I haven't heard about it yet. But there's people who's actually had some sick children with this. I guess it was children like children with asthma or something of that nature. They were sick. And these parents were put on Twitter that they weren't allowed to see their sick kid in the hospital. She said her daughter was on a ventilator, and the hospital would not allow her to go into that room with her daughter. She was on the ventilator because she had that. And let me tell you something. That can't stand not in the United States. That kind of stuff cannot happen in the United States. If you've got a sick kid, you know what? And let me tell you something. I put it on Twitter and said, you know what? I'd get arrested to go see my kid if they were in that kind of condition. I'd be storming the gates. You know, I'd be, I'd be going through those double doors, you know, and, and to the hospital to go see my kid. I don't care. You can arrest me. You can find me. You can throw me and put me in jail. But if my kid would ever be in that position, let me tell you something. You're not stopping me from seeing them. You know, and if you, and if you try, you're going to find yourself getting tackled. I don't care if you arrest me for it because you're not going to separate me from my sick child because of this thing. And again, that that just can't stand in in, um, in the United States. But Kelly, I got about 30 seconds for you for closing comments for us to close things out. So go ahead. Well, if I was governor, I would um, tell the people we're going to have a lockdown. But it's voluntary because I do not want to violate constitutional rights. I would tell the people, um, you know, this is serious, and uh, I want to trust at the beginning of this through a voluntary lockdown and not and trust and trust the people of the state to comply for the best interest of others. I would have to get a judicial declaration from the state Supreme Court to 
order or impute any types of arrests, fines, or law enforcement action. But if the people are cooperating voluntarily, we won't have to go that route. And if I cannot obtain a judicial judicial declaration, I won't do it. And we'll all suffer together from people who are not thinking of others. Regarding the hospital, oh, that's a hard one. That's a real hard one because I would um, – yeah, I mean I, I feel for you, Robert, to, to – I could understand why a parent would want to bust in and see their sick kid. I would, however, not want to get in the way of the medical professionals and create problems for them. Yes, there's a phone call, or maybe I could meet with the hospital directors right away and say, hey, look, if I come in with a gown and I go through decontamination, I'm wearing a mask. Uh, yeah, that may, I mean, yeah, I'd do all that stuff. I'm saying if they try to, like, like say no, and that without any logic, just say no, you can't do it. And yeah, I'd go through those steps too. But I mean, if they try to stop me. But anyway, go ahead because we we have less than a minute left before the show shuts itself down. Well, this becomes a challenge because the Constitution again is once tested. There was a judge, and I want to find this court case. The judge said the Constitution is is appropriate in times of war, in times of peace, in times of difficulties. The Constitution still stands and should not be suspended. So I find that all fascinating how the Constitution is being tested and our liberties as well. And I guess with that, I'll say goodnight to everybody. And we're going to have to because that is about 20 seconds left in the show. Uh, so I do uh, appreciate everyone coming in again on those shows. I bet we could probably fill another hour. Uh, but anyway, thanks a lot, folks. We'll see you next week. Everyone, of course, uh, you know, take care and be safe out there. And we will see you next time. Uh, Good night, folks.